Hello, Pumpcast listeners. We're doing a quick little intro here to thank our new Patreon members. That's right. We are so grateful that people have been checking out our Patreon. We have a bunch of new members. Um, you can, If you want to join the Patreon Smashing Pumpcast experience, you can find us at patreon.com slash smashingpumpcast. We That's got, right. Uh, a couple of different tiers, lots of cool stuff that we've been, we've been, we've been uh, busy. We've been populating this thing with a lot of cool stuff. So do check it out. If you're so inclined. Yeah. And right now we have first dibs on our brand new, originally designed by our very own Pat O'Brien, Smashing Pumpcast t-shirt. That's right. It's right currently, pa- it's a Patreon exclusive, but they're going to be available to the general public soon. But hey, you know, what better time than now to get a, get a jump on that uh, holiday shopping, get your friend's uh, t-shirt from their favorite cast, or you know what? It's been a long year yourself treat yourself why not it comes in purple and black purple and black sort of um yeah psychedelic purple and a deep deep sadness black so <laughs> yeah check it out we're really happy with them we worked on it for a long time it's been a lot of um yeah just a lot of work and, and uh, stuff getting this thing off the ground and it's it's great it's really fun we've gotten to do a lot of um cool stuff that that we couldn't do before in just a you know mere podcast format so yeah thank you to our patrons and um yeah let's let's uh, just go through some of the new patrons who have joined us yeah um th- big thank you to faith tyler kimberly rosas mandy kelsey matt lockwood brian ross christine barrett Will Alexander, or as he requested, Ignafa World Alias, Willie Wildman Alexander. Oh, hey, there, Willie, baby. Baby, baby, Willie, come on. Thank you, Bill, dear. Other known aliases, The Slink, Will E. Kule. Did I say that right? And Mugapo. Yep. So, so Mugapoo? Okay. Yep. We, and we want to hear all your aliases. Yeah. Um, thank you to Bill Stowers, Christopher Mathis, um, Chim R. Worm, big thanks to Worm. <laughs> uh, David K., David Jepson, Hugo Rios, Jeffrey Fence, Frank Ortega, John Swanson, Jeff Cates, Chris Flynn, Christian Perez, aka on Instagram, the underscore infinite underscore spiral, Reggie Chamberlain King, Shelly Davis. Thank you to Justin Wilson, Rabindra, Laura Nyrene, Logan Madden. Samurai Godzilla, John Lamantia, Nicholas Levy, Michael Pasila, Pamela Fisher, and Carlos David Glass. Thank you so much. We are very humbled. We really appreciate it. And plus, uh, your you know your contribution of joining the Patreon helps us out a ton. Yeah. Uh, Pat yeah. had a scare this week where his computer almost got lost. Almost so. lost it. <laughs> it touch and go there for a minute, but um, yeah, yeah, got it back. So. We, we put our computer through a lot, especially with the edits, uh, as you're about to hear with this episode, and we're just making it longer with this intro. Yep. And uh, if you don't want to commit to Patreon, that makes perfect sense. It's okay. You don't have to sign up for it. The podcast will always be free. There's just bonus content on there. But if you want to support the show but don't want to sign up for Patreon, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash pumpcast. P-U-M-P-K-A-S-T. And uh, you, it's like a digital tip jar, yeah. basically. If you think that this show has any value whatsoever, you can just throw a few dollars our way and it'll help us with our Pumpcast fund so we can keep making t-shirts 
do exclusive things and just i don't know just make this the best pumpkins podcast we can yep um and of course we want to thank the uh, recent supporters on buy me a coffee Lori boykin popcorn and Pumpcast, davy j 17 and zip and zoo um thank you all so much all of this means a lot to us and again these t-shirts are going to be available to the general public pretty soon so that's another great way to support the cast and get a cool shirt in the process that's right uh but right now we'll stop yapping and we'll get to the show you know it's like how kids talk about baseball players that's how we talk about albums we're just trying to postpone mortality they need that to fill some kind of void that they have the search for the Yeti. He's a duck. <laughs> well, don't interfucking rough. Drinking strawberry wine. It's the Smashing Pumpcast. I'm Frank Garcia Hale. I'm Pat O'Brien, and today we are raising a glass to our favorite follow-up sister album to Pisces Iscariot, which was available as a second disc to the greatest hits collection. It's our favorite one of those, and it's called Judas O. And we're picking up with our guest from the Rotten Apples episode, Matthew Lagarde. So enjoy. Let's talk about the flip side to the, um, to the greatest hits collection. Judas O, which is... You know, I feel like this is where the meat of, of our uh, listening was. And it's it's uh, Judas O'Reilly, right? Is kind of the unofficial. That's what it's short for. That's what I've that's what I've heard. I didn't know that. I I've heard that. that. I don't know. I've heard that. It, that's what it's short for. I was wondering what it was what it was for. And it's it's I mean, Judas Iscariot. Obviously. That's like, yeah. uh, you know, the obvious yeah. connection to Pisces. And it does. Right. It, it serves the same function as Pisces because it basically. Well, and obviously that can't be a coincidence no yeah and no. it picks up it it picks up with like um the pisces collection covered b-sides and stuff up until yeah. that point and this kind of picks up from there that's also under the title judas zero right mm. yeah yeah the, so like that's also what it's been referred to which makes sense to the yeah um the whole mythos mm-hmm. of zero, zero and glass yeah. and all that right So we had talked about Lucky 13 in our Machina 2 episode, uh, the Machina 2 EPs, right? Or was that? No, that was Machina 2. I can't remember off the top of my head if it was proper or the EPs. But uh, you've already heard our thoughts on it. So, Matt, what are your thoughts on Lucky 13? It rocks. Um, It's like really, it's fairly heavy. (laughs) Yeah. It reminds me of Zeitgeisty material. For sure. Like, it's definitely that, that vibe, for sure. I'm like... And especially the lyrics, because the talk about revolution, and then there's the whole spiritual, like, a bear upon the wrist of my cross and stuff like that. I think he was really on to some sort of, like, definitely reverential figure thing. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. And uh, I like the song a lot. I don't know what the title necessarily means, 
I, I would assume maybe it was the 13th song written. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just a, you know, because 13 is supposed to be an unlucky number, just like right. another Billy joke. And then that's the archive. The, 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 they call themselves the Lucky 13 or whatever, the people that were that Pumpkins post group that he had during Oceania. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I watched an interview with him talking about um, basically people that he has going through archival stuff and stuff like that. It's oh, just wow. a select group of people huh. that he trusts. Yeah. Get us in there. I'm thirsty. This this carries on the whole um, mythos of the whole basically figurehead hearing the voice of God. Mm-hmm. Um, talks about being a ghost with eyes. I am divine. I don't exist. Mm-hmm. So I think it's yeah. just all mythos-based lyric lyricism. But I like it. I think it's, it's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely plays into the glass uh, mythos. Yeah, exactly. Uh, last time I had mentioned that rattlesnake sound. And apparently <laughs> the name of that instrument is the vibra-slap. Yeah, the vibra-slap. Yeah. John Mary uses them, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I found a very <laughs> funny YouTube video online about vibra-slaps. I'm going to have to put in our uh, Twitter socials uh, when the we post The damn things are expensive. Too. When we were recording our record, there was a vibra-slap there, but we didn't use it, unfortunately. I wanted to, but we had there would be no reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just trying to, it's like, I mostly worked for the band Cake. Yeah, no, That's exactly. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, with Lucky 13, um, this the only kind of, I mean, it's cleaned up from the Machina 2 version, but also you clearly hear the dialogue at the end, Pat, that we had talked about before. Mm-hmm. This is the one where you really clearly hear Jimmy saying that he's jungle drummed out. I'm jungle drummed out, man. Right, 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 right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> in the Machina 2 version, you don't really hear it, but this one, it's very, very clear. Yeah, it's nice getting. Well, how little... many takes have they done on it? You know. Yeah, you know? true. Right. True. Yeah, I believe him when he says he's jungle drummed out. <laughs> uh, Pat, any additional thoughts that maybe we missed last time? That you yeah, uh, yeah. No, I mean it's cool listening to it. Um, you know, just in sort of a, a crisper, uh, you know, recording. Um, it's a fun kind of like experiment to just kind of compare it to the you know what we had available for the actual machina 2 albums but yeah yeah no i think it's great i love that i feel like he's playing a little bit of a character ever played it. live does anyone know uh that's a great question the, it would say on. i've never seen it it would it would say on sp codex or spfc.org they usually have uh right how many, i oh, saw maybe maybe it was played live i saw actually um, yes a video where they played White Spider live, so it might have oh, been wow. on that show. I think they were playing it on memory. that tour. On, on spcodex.wiki, it says, total plays 41 um, what? on tour, 38 Crazy. full, two tees, one abandoned, five at sound check. So not that many in okay. concert, but right. close to it, probably like 30. Um, yeah. Final first performance, October 1st. Because that could be just one tour. 30, it probably know, was, yeah. Days. It was. The I might have tour. seen it actually. Now that I think about it, I might have seen it on that Machina tour. Oh, oh really? First yeah. full performance. Then they started playing it in 2007. Hmm. Um, last. That's the video I've seen. I think where he's wearing yeah. he's wearing all black, and then he has like the spider on his. Oh right, the spider shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Last full performance. Yeah. So they have they they played it on that final tour, and then a few times in. <laughs> 07 and 2010. So that means I've definitely seen it. Whoops. 
I'm jungle drummed out, man. Um, well, the next one is Aeroplane Flies High, and it's an edited version. discussed this at length but matt do you have any uh any thoughts on this one uh i love airplane flies high i think it's incredible w- would would it work on melancholy i'm not sure but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty long i right. love the dialogue yeah it's it might be a little i agree it might be like a little um indulgent or something to include on, to have included on melancholy but i love that fact about it being included on here you know yeah, what i mean really like dark I, yeah i love the indulgence of a lot of these tracks to be yeah. sort of included on a greatest hits package it's i remember great. the last time i was on an airplane going to record uh stuff in new york for a record um i was listening to that while i was in the sky because i'm terrified of airplanes i hate them I don't really. Did it help or hurt (laughs) the experience? I don't know. I I also (laughs) blasted um, Ride's Vapor Trail when we would take off. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. Because it soothed me, honestly. And I bet it drowns out the kind of white noise. Yeah, it did. um, I loved that, actually. That was actually, that became my thing. That's a nice plane plane listen. Um, but as far as, yeah, the dialogue, what I love about some of this stuff is you know the whole band's involved because you can clearly hear the Darcy, the I'm not afraid to live, you know, I'm, or whatever. You can tell that's Darcy. Oh, is that? I, I never, down. um, I wasn't sure. I thought it was Billy yeah, I, slowed down, but you think I it's Darcy? I know it's Darcy. I can tell from the timbre of the voice it's Darcy. Really? Nice. And you can hear James laughing or like Billy laughing or something like that. Oh, okay. Right before that. Again. But, okay, and then let's talk about the solo, obviously. he billy put that solo down before he went to a funeral and 
I'm thinking it's possibly his mother's funeral. Though it's not said, it would match with the time period. Interesting. Um, yeah. And he said when he got back, he was surprised how much of the like he there was only a couple notes of the solo he didn't like. So he just recorded off the cuff. But it's an incredible solo. So that just goes to show that he's an incredible guitar player, obviously. Yeah. Wow. But but the sense of that solo is like super emotional. Yeah. Wow. It's a heavy time. I remember. I remember reading Jimmy recorded drums in Australia or something like that for it. Oh. So that makes me think that the band tracked in Australia, but I don't really know. But that's pretty incredible. Oh but yeah. But yeah, the, the song's amazing. The tones are amazing. Um, there's there's like a little thing that we do. Um, when I'm getting the tone just right on the clean, on the Randall, um, when I play live, I dial it in so it sounds like the intro to. <laughs> airplane flight because it's so it's that sound you know yeah um once you get that sound you're off the races i always find so it's mm-hmm. pretty cool nice yeah i i mean it's it's weird to hear it out of context of you know uh the box sets you know because i'm so used to it that way so it's a little bit jarring to be second too you know like that kind of heavy of a track mm-hmm. and that big of an epic and also it's weird that it's edited when it's already like seven minutes you know like why yeah. why even bother um right but what, did they well, shave two minutes off of it or about? yeah i i don't know but like i mean i guess for runtime they have to do that kind of stuff but mm-hmm. like it really is i mean this song i i would have preferred like a machina outtake just because we already have this but right i mean this song fucking rips you know it's just i so think fucking you good. know and i think another thing because it was i think it was already called disconnected probably in the melancholy sadlands um stuff like the demos And I think that Billy was actually having a conversation that somebody was recording where he says it requires an ability to judge distance and mm-hmm. just says that. And that's what they aped for the title. I don't think it was, I really don't think it was like all contrived in a way that's like, oh, that's how we're going to do this. I mean, that's what it's going to be. And that's, I think mm-hmm. it was just like pieced together, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And um, the, the this song, I feel like has, is a bit of a um, fan and maybe band greatest hit. Like I know they like to play it. They played um, it on the last tour, which I I was like, oh my god. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. I feel like the band, the original members, like dig playing it. So I agree, it's like a little bit like whoa, this already. But like at this early in the album, but uh, yeah, I I like how it's like okay, we got our official greatest hits and sort of our unofficial greatest hits. Uh, yeah, what yeah. do we like as a band that we want people mm-hmm. to remember us by? Especially because think about it, this is wrapping up the band right yeah Yeah. so it's like what were we about the next track is because you are
<laughs> it reminds me of Alice in Chains, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I could. Oh, I definitely hear it's that. Got like, that. It, like it's very strange. Yeah, yeah. It's got that kind of droning, like it's very droning, like indie. It's almost like Indian sounding. Like, you know yeah. what I mean, like East Indian sounding, like. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. quality is like really strange. I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got a very unique uh, production. You ever heard to the it. version of um, uh, Siamese Dream that was like a B side? Yeah. The, not the mm-hmm. one, not the Soundworks one that's like heavy. No, but the one the... that's like. Very acoustic, ethereal. and it sounds like somebody's like banging on pans. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like that's what it reminds me of, kind of. What a strange thing! Like I love that about the band, though. It's mm-hmm. like we know we're a hit band, but check this out. It's like, right. you know, it sounds like I'm playing on a toy drum set. This is a more challenging um, track, I would say. Yeah, like I mean, it, yeah, I I get what you're saying by that. Yeah, for sure. Or, or band, um, that's what the band was about too. Totally, yeah, and I love you know I love that. Like it can be like it's definitely got that sort of psyched out like kind of mushroom trip feel, or at least like, I mean, this actually reminds me of Gish stuff. Honestly, yeah, or like free Gish stuff, my totally. Dahlia and like absolutely it, or Spite Face or whatever. Yeah, it, very similar to that. Stuff. It does harken back to that era a lot. Um, and, and and also well, like yeah. spiritually, because you are is like okay, you exist, you are. Right, right. Which is like very, very Gish era sound. Yeah, it's got like a psychedelic sensibility to it. It's also a little bit, the repetitive lyric can be a little, I guess that's what's like kind of challenging about it. It can be a little like aggressive or off-putting or something, but kind of in an infectious way too. I think I... Yeah, no, like when I I came into contact with it, I was like, oh, this is so interesting. Mm -hmm. Like it's like, I could see why you'd want to include that. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, when the first time I had heard it on Judas, so it wasn't my favorite. But revisiting it this week, or just over time, I was like, oh, I really grew to appreciate and really like it because of the layers and the weird production. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I even wrote down it sounded like espionage, like it was like from a spy movie or something. Right. Too. Yeah, it's got a little bit of that Darren, 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 Darren. Yeah, James you have Bond. like you have stuff like that, like the Alice in Chains stuff and the Pumpkin stuff, and then you have a direct correlation to what Godsmack, you know, the stuff that came out. Right. that's like, yeah. I mean, they, those are mega hits. Like you think about a song like Voodoo or whatever. Right. Like, that's like. That's the Allison Chains and the Pumpkins could have written that song in like five minutes. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the degradation of music. <laughs> yeah, right. Like where it's like, okay, that we're taking this basic idea and then, you know, but I see a direct correlation to what music became, you know, obviously. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there were rever- reverberations of that for many, many years. On alternative <laughs> but some, radio. But that's what I'm saying is something like something like Voodoo would, would have been like a Pumpkins B side. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. But in the qual in terms of quality or Alice in Chains. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I mean, like, yeah, the, the thing that makes the Pumpkins so special is like that that crazy solo too, which I I don't know yeah. if it's James or Billy, but like that insane solo around the two minute mark. It's just mm-hmm. it's that farty distorted 
like solo it's it's great it's just so wild yeah. you know yeah, yeah. How it just goes, all the music goes out, and you just hear the toms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the guitar comes back in. I love that part. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's worth like a full listen, you know? And it's Absolutely. Like, you're, you're in the mindset of like, oh, these are all hooky songs, or at least the previous set were. And it's like, this one you got to kind of buckle up for, but it is worth it. We get some pure Billy-ass lyrics in here, too, with, uh, I chew the rust off my face, I wipe the stain Mm -hmm. off my haze, I am (laughs) I was going to bring up the lyrics. Born of age, I stare inside empty faith. I was like, whoa, yeah, that's that's pure Billy right there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And this is, um, I don't know if we mentioned it, but this is an Adore outtake, um, which also later appeared on the deluxe reissue of that. But to me, it does harken back to What's funny that I can't... I can't believe this is an Adore outtake. I, it's weird. I honestly couldn't believe it. I was like, this sounds nothing like Adore. Nothing. Yeah. It seems like a Machina outtake. That's what I thought. Me. I know, it really does. It's like, it's like, I wonder if this was the early direction they were going in with Brad Wood um, producing, and then they just like, no. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Because I, I remember they that. scrapped that, some of that stuff, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the Exile and Guyville Loose Fair producer. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this, this, Almost. The, have you ever heard that record, the Liz Fair, Exile and Godville? Oh, oh yeah. hell yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. That record is really fucking strange. I love it. Yeah. It's like it's like weird isn't it like it's like twenty one songs or something like that, and they're like really short, and some are like poppy and like. The production on that record is not the best, I don't think, personally. And then, like, you got a hit song out of it, which is it's so weird, that album. Did he produce her I, new one, too? That was the thing I don't with remember. the new one? He her produced the second one. Good. Yeah, he produced uh, Whip Smart, and then he came back for the new one. I don't live in a world that appreciates me. You could see that I'm ahead of my time. This is the one thing that always makes me grateful. The new one I, I dig a lot. I well, and then Liz Fair became that like pop, like a pop. Yeah, she person. worked with the Matrix. Like, it was crazy. Well, I um a really cool episode of Song Exploder, the podcast. I forget which song they focus on, but it's basically about Exile and Guyville, um, and how she used the rolling stones like almost as like a framework or a way to just kind of have like to just not be starting from scratch on making an album she used the rolling stones exile on main street and i get i think each track on exile and guyville is meant to be sort of a um, response like a response to one of the tracks 
Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. It's yeah, check, it's 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 really cool. I didn't know any. I've I've been into that album for a long time, but that album's kind yeah. of amazing if you think about like what you could accomplish back then. Weird, man. Yeah, yeah, she had the benefit of one of those things where like she didn't really know about like song structure and mm-hmm. like guitar. Well, that play. you can tell that when you listen to the the, the weird esoteric like. <laughs> songs that yeah. are on that album. I think that's They're what makes really it special. Because oh, like her and Brad gift. Wood were yeah. figuring it out. I know, yeah. that's, man, I don't, I don't know about you guys, and I, I am a, I, an amp, like, the best thing I can call myself in terms of uh, being a musician is total amateur, but like, I, some of the most, like, interesting stuff out there is by people who you then learn weren't really like certainly like professional musicians weren't trained in any way yeah Brian Eno is another example mm-hmm. like Juliana Hatfield that I mean honestly oh, the Juliana Hatfield record reminds me of that But like, I feel like Juliana was like probably a better musician. If that makes sense. Yeah, more right, song right. structure. She had more like, pop sensibility too. Yeah. Yeah, but it really like <laughs> that's what it reminds me of. It's like, but but that Exile and Guyville is like, oh my god, like it's it's so. Strange. Check out that song Exploder. It's super interesting. It's yeah, really really a great listen. So, any other thoughts on Because You Are? Amazing. I'm amazing that it was a, a door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, the next track is Slow Dawn. So yeah, we already talked about Slow Dawn in detail um, on our Machina 2 episode. So Matt, what are your thoughts? I think that it's an incredible solo. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that solo is amazing. Amazing. Again, the production on this one is really strange. It's almost like it's not underwater, but it's like it has something mm-hmm. over the top of it. Which yeah. again, which is a whole machina thing, but Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Submerged submerged quality to it for sure. The only thing that I think is really strange about the song is it doesn't really seem to tie into the narrative of Machina. Hmm. To me. 
Yeah, I think we had talked about, well, because just the feeling of, like, uh, the lyrics kind of talking about the fans and stuff and, like, or, like, yeah. you know, Midnight People and just, like, that feeling of, because it's also what about used street in the, light people? Yeah, the, the, what's that? <laughs> I said, what about street light people? <laughs> so it reminds me of is that lyric from, uh, oh, yeah, Don't yeah. Stop it's Believing. A, oh, right, yeah. right, right, yeah. <laughs> This actually ties into the Sopranos finale, if you really think about it. It's kind of... <laughs> yeah. It's the story of Tony Soprano. But yeah, it, it, it feels like it's kind of connected in, in, in the fact of like the cult of uh, Glass a little bit or like the after effect. I forgot where it comes in on that map, Pat, that we saw right, uh, where he remember. wanted it. I think it was like the, the after effect of all the Glass stuff. It's if got I'm, that feeling, yeah. If I'm remembering sort of it. Like the, when he comes the back curtain. to... Yeah. Right, because it doesn't feel so much like in the voice of a character as yeah. the other ones or referring to like a fictionalized you know version of the band or something. yeah it was right. kind of like the the after effects of all the the glass craziness i think mm -hmm. uh, if i'm remembering right and i'm probably wrong and that's fine that's uh, okay. <laughs> i just can't remember where it was there's nothing wrong with being wrong yeah um any other because uh, we had already talked about slow dawn uh but uh, i i still love it i love the feeling that it gives me uh any other thoughts on slow dawn it's very very cool phil i was listening to it while i was in the bath the other night so i was like okay, oh hell yeah oh yeah great. Yeah, it's really cool. I like the textures on the song a lot. Mm -hmm. um, the lyrics are, again, I see what you're saying now about the, you know, I just think, I feel like Mace, the only thing that I think is really strange with the with the machine stuff is the trappings of normal life seem to to come into the to the music a lot. Like in, it's like I'm on a train or I'm on a, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that's that's kind of strange to me, but, but I get it because it's like it's a. Per a figure imbued with the sense that he's heard a voice from God. He's still on Earth. Yeah. And he's still experiencing. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Right. That's all I have to say about it. Yeah. And also probably, even when you mentioned, um, you know, the airplane flies high and like listening to it on an airplane, like this, these guys, and like, you know, Jimmy doing drums in Australia and all this stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. They were touring like hardcore for years at this point. Like, a constant, you know, like, I know. You think about it, it's hard road. for it not to seep into your writing. Yeah, yeah. And absolutely. I, I, I've, I, I've only been on tour for probably like three weeks before in my life, but you better believe when I was on that train home, I was writing about being on a train. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's just the way it is. Great place You're to write about being on a train. Is on a train. Yeah, I found. Well. All right. Well, the next song is "Believe." James. 
Yeah, James previously released from the 1979 single. You've heard us whinge on about it. Um, we yeah. were fans, but um, yeah, Matt, what do you what do you think about this track? I think that James, for the <laughs> I I love James, and I think that he really went for it for Melancholy. Mm-hmm. And the thing that's sad to me is that not much of his made it on the album proper. Right. Which I don't necessarily agree with because I like you know the boy and um, mm-hmm. the, the, the bells for example the bells that's yeah, that's, that's a great that song's incredibly good yeah. I can't believe that that's not. I mean, it's short too. It's not even that long, but it's like I I don't know. I think like lyrically, he's 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 trying to go into the narrative of the record too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, yeah. It almost feels like a yeah. uh, reaction to even tonight tonight because of the belief. Yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like He's responding to Billy. I think the the issue with like the James tracks not getting on melancholy as much is just because a lot of them were written kind of towards the end of the session or when they were recording yeah. the B-sides. And so it was like, and he, he also, also said kind of, sadly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Incredible. Said sadly. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, Brook Assault. Um, I think it's Nina, Nina Gordon, Gordon yeah. on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were talking about how cool that would be to like if they, you know, because they had initially talked about during, you know, in the thick of the pandemic, they kind of announced like this melancholy era oh, yeah, show yeah. that they're mm-hmm. going to do. And they're how still they're, probably going to do it, I think. I hope so. Yeah. Or maybe like a trilogy type of yeah. thing, you know, but um, if they were going to dig into obviously James is there. Have you noticed not not to interrupt, but have you noticed that the B-sides that James wrote for melancholy are almost all very spiritual, almost all very religious. Yeah. Kind of like with his album too. Yeah. And even on, yeah, let it come down. And even on, um, uh, melancholy, isn't there, there's a line on, um, that's like Jesus. There's a love that Jesus puts into your heart or something like that. Mm I wonder, I wonder what he was going through as far as what he was reaching for because yeah on on, uh, on believe he says on Sunday I make amends for all my mistakes may God's speed be with you yeah like, it is interesting well I do know that he like just vibe wise or at least um, influence wise he had commented around the time of when he did when he released let it come down that he was sort of like kind of grossed out by the state of alternative rock and he was clearly hearkening to this like sweet kind of like um like i think he had he'd grown really tired of the sort of ease of angst you know of yeah emotional emotional um yeah i definitely think he's he's gotten an emotional like country vibe to yeah yeah and i'm sure part of it. it was a reaction against just what he was playing yeah largely with the 
pumpkins. You know, obviously the pumpkins did it really well, but um, yeah, I think he was in some sort of 70s singer-songwriter, possibly vaguely religious, yeah. uh, fa- Christian-y phase at the at the time, or at least in ter- like kind of that going for that sound, that you know? aesthetic. Yeah. Well, you know what's weird is I I wonder I wonder how much I wonder if he was in a relationship because. A lot of these songs seem like a re- relationship songs where he's really in love with somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I wonder if it's just a past relationship he'd been in. You know, I, right. I, I, I like to believe that Darcy, it wasn't still affecting him. You know, at this point, where it wasn't like I'm in love with you still sort of deal. Right. I think. Well, we did. We did do. At this point. Yeah, we did do an episode about his album or his first album, and mm-hmm. we did kind of speculate about this stuff. But I think he was. I mean, um, the country girl, you know, hallelujah, whoever she was, um, I'm yeah. sure we could probably figure that out if we tried, but, um, yeah, I think he, pro- he, it's, it did seem like he was referring to like a current sort of state of just relationship, you know, happiness that he was in, but, but also pulling from, you know, past relationships too. I think he was unhappy. I think the thing with James is he was obviously the funniest you asked billy you know who's the funniest person in the band is james obviously mm-hmm. but james was very complex i yeah. think that he there's a lot of things aspects of what he had to deal with that he couldn't and i think that you know he had he felt emotions that could only come out in his songs in a way same with billy do you think the kind of sweetness but not not taking a character i feel like that's the real james right 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 it's the opposite of billy in some way Hmm. Like, James is playing a character all the time, I think. Yeah. And I think through his music, he's, this is him bear. Right, right. And, and you, but sad. you think at the time, <laughs> yeah, do you, do you, so do you think his kind of like expression of, you know, sad emotions comes out in sort of a, like a sweet Yeah, veneer? I think it's a, it's a, I think it's a longing. Mm-hmm. And I find long, this all yeah. the time, I find this a lot of the time with um, my own writing when I want to the sentiment that comes out is almost a longing for something you don't have and you don't even yeah, know what it is right right you may not be in a relationship or you not, may not be infatuated with somebody but it's coming through as somebody being represented something being represented by something else you know mm-hmm. and yeah people ask me what songs are about sometimes and I'm like I don't know it's just a sense of loss or a sense of longing for something no matter what it is yeah. right yeah yeah you're right yeah, that's a great point inner about- peace you know totally yeah but that that's a cool point about james kind of being the one that is actually like uh, like always playing a bit of a character like billy obviously yeah. talks a lot about his various characters and has played them and and dips in and out of them but he also is is i feel like especially nowadays it's like much more of a direct dialogue with billy like he feels more of an open book than James ever has been or oh, ever yeah. will be. You know, yeah, it just yeah. doesn't seem part of his his nature. No, not really. So I had made an observation about so this is track five on this album, and guess what track five on Pisces is? What? Is it a James Jam? Yeah, it's a James Jam. Nice. Is it Blue Way? Yeah. Okay, I was gonna bring up Blue Away, cause like that's a pretty early foray, and that was something that was 
hopeful a hopeful Siamese dream candidate, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite pumpkin songs, actually. I love it. It's a great one, yeah. And he did he did play it in, in the on the shiny. Tour, yeah, that was right? amazing. Yeah, yeah, I loved that. That was cool. Oh yeah, Pat, and back to your point, you said that you thought it'd be cool if Nina would come out to sing with him. Oh right, yeah, that. we yeah. kind of back when, but, yeah, sadly. like because I think he teased like we'll we'll do if we do this melancholy era tour, it won't be like play the album, it'll be like play stuff from the you know presumably Fair. a lot of like aeroplane flies high stuff, and I think he mentioned maybe guess. we just speculated about special guests, but it's like she's from Chicago, right? Like Chicago yeah. show, James is there. Bring her out, do a proper version of uh, Said Sadly. I think that would be a huge, a lot of people would be psyched about that, yeah. including this That's guy right thinking, here. But yeah. 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 It's a lot. There's a lot of what ifs there. <laughs> That'd be incredible. Yeah. But it would be cool. Yeah. yeah. I love this song. It's one of my favorites up there with Go. I, I just, I love oh, James and I love this song. So the next track is My Mistake. So this one was a, a door outtake, uh, and this definitely fits in with that Adore era. Matt, what are your thoughts on my mistake? I think it's about Courtney Love. One, <laughs> mm. hot take. There's some pretty, there's some pretty telling lines. Um, mostly, like we share the same monkey disease. So give me your grape of peace and do what you want as you please, but. More importantly, there's a line about like offending everybody, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is pretty Courtney. <laughs> what yeah. do you think the monkey disease is? I don't know. I, I just think it's a reference to Nirvana. Like, uh, uh, didn't Kurt have like that sculpture of a monkey for in utero? Nice. Uh, yeah, well, on the back of uh, Nevermind, there's that one with the monkey with the. Was that the yeah, with the thing? Yeah. On its back, yeah. Yeah, but I think that was a reference to the Pixies too. Who is a big. Fan. Oh yeah. Yeah. But then that would be like uh, the the term like monkey on my back, like kind of thing about like yeah. uh, she lives in that shadow of you know Kurt, and then yeah, he's got to live in that shadow where Nirvana gets a lot of you know praise. You know when pumpkins kind of get lost in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you yeah, monkey on your back, like monkey disease addiction you know yeah that's, addiction that's certainly something that pertains to uh, and if you pretend Gordon. please try to offend everyone we share the same monkey disease so give me your my grape of your peace mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i think that and i think this is after celebrity skin isn't it yeah like after you produced it yeah and that was, was like when the they had their time. fallout again <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah one, they were one, on bad terms um on the arising tour Yeah. Look at my goddamn face. 
shoot for that very too short press. We're just kidding. We love them. And then, and then in the lyrics, you know, they talk about basically just like again and again. So it's like they've they've gone down this this path over and over again, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's yeah. the only person I can think of in Billy's past that he would really feel that way about. Right, again and again. Ex- yeah, mm-hmm. except for maybe yeah. Darcy herself. But um, yeah, it's another story. But yeah, or the the line yeah. we referenced it at the top of the episode. But suck me through your saliva screws. That's always that's just a lyric that just it's always gets stuck right in my. It's head. a classic Billy lyric. Yeah, it's like yeah. um, it's Foil like my tongue uh, around where your boys grew to tread. Right. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or scratch my face with anvil hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good writing. I don't know. Good imaging. Like good imagery. Like like very evocative. Billy's nothing but but if not, I know somebody who can create an image with his lyrics. Yeah, he paints a scene for sure. Absolutely. Certain lyrics, certain turns of phrase, they just really stick with you. You know. This is what we get haggard Billy vocals on this because I think he recorded this along with um, Once in a While. We get that because he blew his voice out at a Bulls game or something, and he tried to record after that, and that's why we get that haggard sound. I love that sound on Once in a While, too. I I dig a a good haggard, blown-out Billy song. It almost feels like a Broadway number, too, because of the rhythm and stuff and how it changes. And, Pat, uh, we get an organ solo in here. I know, I know. <laughs> When's the last organ solo you heard besides the uh, rhinoceros? Uh, exactly, demo? exactly, Martin baby. Napo. Not enough. Hey, baby Billy, come on, let me in. Let me in the studio. I want to play on my mistake. Hey, well, I got one <laughs> quiet. Billy, baby, you put the regular version of it, rhinoceros on your greatest hits. It didn't have that organ solo. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I this one's got, um, yes, I think for some reason, maybe it was just because I was listening to it on a shitty boombox or something back in the day when I used to listen to this a lot. Um, the thing I didn't really con- like hear back then so much was that synth. Like I would pay more yeah. attention to the piano. Um, yeah, it's got this kind of, um, it almost reminds me of being on some sort of carnival ride or like a like a it's a small world after all type of ride you know like yeah. it has this slightly ominous it's like a dark carnival. coney island feel yeah like a ch- yeah exactly like a slightly ominous carnival vibe um i don't know it reminds me of being on like kind of a 
it's like sort of a peaceful song, but not. It reminds me a little yeah. bit of like the Willy Wonka boat kind of like before it gets into <laughs> yeah. full hellish Terrifying. Mode, you know yeah there's no earthly way of knowing <laughs> he's singing which direction we are going there's no knowing where we're rowing or which way the river's flowing is it raining is it snowing is a hurricane a-blowing not a speck of light is showing, so the danger must be growing. Are the fires of hell a-glowing? Is the grizzly reaper mowing? Yes! The danger must be growing, for the rowers keep on rowing, and they're certainly not showing any signs that they are slowing! So, uh, yeah, any other thoughts uh, on my mistake? Amazing. It's good stuff. Well, up next, we have another Airplane Flies High box set gem, and that goes by Marquise in Spades. Fucker. Quite possibly my favorite. Yeah. And also, is it, do you think this is a sports reference? I've wondered this. Uh, explain. Well, Marquise is a black name. <laughs> One. Well, I thought he was talking about Marquise. I'm not yeah. white, so I can I can say that. <laughs> um, but in spades, like you know, like a good athlete. Oh, okay. I don't know. I've always I've always like had that that vibe from the, the song title. Because the original song title was like Glammy Glammy or something like that. Oh, right, right. Yeah. I really think it's a sports thing. Could be. He's a big... I don't know what big, else it would be. He's a big sports fan, right? I mean... Yeah. He's just know. never used another black name in a song title. So that's... that's Right, that's true. It is very... It's a very Anglo um, vocabulary, typically. Especially yeah. like Melancholy Era. That was like yeah, very... Yeah, I know. You know. Absolutely. But here's the brilliant thing. He's juxtaposing that with archaic language in the song mm-hmm. right think about that that that's pretty interesting yeah definitely i always thought it was uh in reference to Mar- marquis de sade uh the like kind of philandering very uh i guess you could say sex criminal yeah i would say that uh <laughs> about like kind of referencing that uh just that kind of it feels like a very billy type of thing to reference uh, and especially yeah. with the the lyrics and the kind of like um, I don't know the word I'm looking for the kind well, of depravity right and I what I think it is is this is going to get into the, another thing that I believe that yes I believe Billy is playing a character but I believe the lyrics are much more connected to him than people realize mm-hmm. um, I agree with that whether it's flouted or blown up or whatever you know, the lyrics in this song are just like, I mean, it's it's about an ascension where you once were this thing. Now you're this other thing and you're at the top with these other people. 
Yeah. And again, the archaic nature of the lyrics, it's like all that. Now it's that time again to take revenge on all the debutantes and their friends. The bitter mm -hmm. Charlemagne so self-absorbed, the bodily remains such a bore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what's giving me yeah. the Marquis de Sade vibes a little bit. Okay, I, I could see what you're, where you're coming from with that, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, this song just it whips ass. It's awesome. It's like it British rocks. metal. It and rocks so hard. Yeah. It's um the riff. There's so not many good. of those riffs going on with it, and you know it's James and Billy playing it because one's a, a harmony higher up. Oh yeah. Um, but that riff is incredibly cool. Uh, very mm -hmm. very rock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole song actually, the song reminds me of like 2000s rock almost. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was getting Judas Priest vibes too. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But I think it's just the curve of that. Um. Because okay, and then here's the lyric. Yeah. All I see is empty, because now I'm one of them so adored, the slink of impotence that money can't afford. We know mm -hmm. who you are and where you live. Is your innocence all that you can give? That's like somebody saying, okay, I've ascended to the top. I've lost my innocence. Yeah. But you want more from me. Yeah. And it's like, hey, was I good enough to break you? And then, yeah, I think, and then in this fall from grace, we'll meet again another time, another place. I've been down deep in you, me. Let's see where we can go. And doesn't it at the end say "fuck you, desire"? Yeah, mm -hmm. pretty cool. Angels <laughs> Fuck pretty you, metal, desire. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I think we spent some time on that lyric when we covered the "Aeroplane Flies High" because that is, you're totally right. And I, I think at this time too was. That's the, but that's what I'm. The "fuck you, desire" is the curse of. Okay, now I've got what I want, but it's not what I thought. Yeah, it was. fuck that. Fuck uh, what I wanted. Like, why do I still want it? You but know? here I am with all these people mm -hmm. that have these perceptions and 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 airs about them, and I'm not one of them, even though I'm here. Right, right, yeah, and I guess this is what I wanted, but fuck, fuck right. what I wanted. Yeah. And exactly. this is also a time when he described. I think this coincides with you know just the height of their fame when like I think it was post melancholy tour. Yep. He was talking about the initial phase of writing um, the door stuff and how like he was kind of holed up in his house, which people knew fans knew where he lived, and were, there were like kids like fucking on his lawn and stuff. Like yep. he was very much like they were going um, through his trash and yeah, like you a know, prisoner of fame at this point. How many? You know what's interesting about this? It does have a door in the in the lyrics. Mm -hmm. Now I'm one of them, so adored. Yeah, and the only other song I can think of that has a door in it is uh hello kitty cat mm, interesting mm. yeah so i wonder if he he poached the adored the the line now i'm one of them so adored for the album the next album it feels like it connects with what adore is all about which you yeah. know as we know he it's kind of a, a billy pun on um you know adore a like an escape a way out you know but it's also adore like i i'm adored adore absolutely and almost like i am adored and like i'm seeking a way out of whatever this yeah. is that which I've is brilliant obviously. wished for myself yeah it really but, is but um but it, yeah, I, I think once also this this song starts out with fucker. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. there's a video on YouTube where it's like him saying fucker for an hour or something <laughs> fucker, like that. Fucker, Just from fucker. that, it's pretty cool. Fucker, 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 fucker. But I think this was tracked live, yeah. and I honestly believe it's the full band. 
Yeah. And I also think that it's live. I don't think it's o- overdubbed vocals. Mm, yeah. Interesting. I yeah. don't think so either. It, it I don't think there's like harmonies. It. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's raw sounding for sure. Yeah. So that's cool. cool. That that's that shows a band. I mean, you want you, Billy has obviously talked in length about either how good the band was or how bad they weren't. They were, but I think about it in the terms of standard of the Pumpkins. Mm-hmm. They could be any band, any one of those musicians. You know what I mean? Like, like them playing the song live is like that. That's the power in that room. Right. Absolutely. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Especially during that era. Yeah. But uh, next one is Here's to the Atom Bomb. Aside from the try, try, try single, uh, Matt, yeah. what are your what are your thoughts on this one? It remi- I, well, I, well I, I think it's like a like it's like a Hollywood rip, right? Like it like it reminds me of like blowing something up and then and and realizing it's not what it was or you know it's not as important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's interesting. It's a really interesting lyric too. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's multiple versions. I, I remember. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And he was even playing it on the on the Marilyn Manson tour. I remember that acoustically. So, the, the Hollywood thing. It, this song also kind of made me think. Uh, always conjured up images of um, Doctor Strangelove too. You know, right. yeah. the, the, the get. Well, actually, which he's referred to before, get on the bomb, right? Yeah, like that, yeah, exactly. Talks, yeah. yeah, totally. Well, yes. I, he's 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 brought up that lexicon for sure before, mm-hmm. where it's like it's a bomb that we blew up and then we, you know started from scratch he really does feel like the band is you know mm-hmm. blowing things up and yeah like on where boys grew to tread for example yeah yeah, yeah. but it's like what one of the lyrics is like wake up early wash up late satellites connect you to your hate which is obviously tv right your patience grows but your skin is thin the pager signals they're coming in it's just about you know again it's it's all like media yeah mm-hmm. i think he had a hard time being the kind of personality that he was I, you know what I think is interesting about Billy is, and this song might point to it in a way, he's a pretty incredible media personality. Like, I think he craved whatever that was. Mm-hmm. And when he came off not as he would have liked to, he started to hate it mm-hmm. a little yeah. bit. Yeah. You know, if he came off not as beautiful looking as, you know, say, Kurt Cobain or not as... as effortless as some of these other rock stars of his peerage he started to like realize okay this isn't this isn't what i thought it would be even though he craved it he definitely right. did you know yeah yeah and totally i think you have to because to, we've talked about this too just the 90s kind of alternative vibe of like hey get that camera out of my face man yeah, like he wanted to wind he, up there you have to want it you know he like, wanted to be a rock star he yeah. didn't play the aloof no you know character no not at all 
He was a and he was but I but I think even the even in some cases people who did play that character it was a little false because like you kind of like you must have you didn't this didn't happen totally by accident. You know what I no. mean? Like Kurt no, Cobain no, no, no. is in a it, he totally and he had his own, you know, legit problems obviously. Um but he wanted his band to be successful too, you know? Well, like, he has journals and journals of, you know, planning every much. video out and all the lyrics and mm-hmm. talking about how they, he wants to be the biggest band in the world. Yeah. I don't believe that narrative. I don't believe the narrative of, oh, just leave me alone. Right. Maybe, you know, maybe later on I believe it from Pearl Jam because they became huge and it was an invasion of the person, I mean, their private, privacy. But... Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually had conversations with uh, Dave, the drummer from Pearl Jam, um, from that 10 touring, and he said that there wasn't support for the band, really, at the beginning, and then it kind of exploded. Mm-hmm. So they were yeah. kind of shy. So yeah. I can see it from that band, sort of, yeah. just from that perspective. But for everyone else who played aloof and, oh, we don't really care, like, you think about, like, I, I actually like Pavement, but you think about a band like Pavement playing that the heel or playing the character that way or it's, oh it's mm-hmm. not a big deal we both know that that's not true <laughs> right right we both know that they 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 wanted to be in the position they were in mm-hmm. yeah and so yeah i think that billy was just one of the only ones who had the guts to say no this is what i'm <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's an not only am i gonna do it thing. i'm gonna do it my way and i'm gonna be glam about it and i'm gonna wear you know <laughs> i'm gonna be wearing op shirt op art shirts and mm-hmm. like Jimi hendrix and i'm not gonna do drugs and i yeah. mean that's pretty amazing to think about it mm-hmm. yeah not doing hair drugs in the 90s was not cool yeah <laughs> yeah especially it heroin. really yeah. was not yeah and it's yeah. like and you know what i'm in a band now and not doing drugs is not cool <laughs> i've been offered drugs so many times on tour. Mm-hmm. you know what i mean and i've never done i've never done any hard drugs so yeah yeah it's the way to you know and i mean like look we we are pro whatever you know it's it's like hard shit like it's a it's a good way to um as we saw with many peers of this band it's a good way to end up dead and like yep. broken up and you know it's susan uh, dando evan dando's mom uh basically told me never not never to do drugs oh yeah because <laughs> I mean, I, I could go on forever about Evan and Billy's relationship, but she told me that Billy and Evan were supposed to work together at one point in the 90s. Really? If you can believe that. Wow. That's, that'd yeah. be cool. I mean, it's a miracle. He is a case where it's like, okay, this guy did survive despite, you know, the fact that he, he there could, there could have, I was just, th- I just happened to be thinking about him the other day and how, like, how it could have easily gone in the direction of like Evan Dando passed away age, whatever, you know, like he, yeah, he, um, which is, and it's great that he survived for, you know, because it's for obvious reasons for his mother and for his friends. But, um, he also, I don't, I haven't heard anything since his solo album from the early two thousands, but it's a great album. Baby on board. It's called, um, yep. yeah, he's really solid. Baby he's, he's, an, he's actually an incredible songwriter, incredible talent. And, mm-hmm. uh, very it's a shame about Evan shame about Evan sorry uh, it's a shame 
I like this version a lot because uh, the other version on Machina 2 is the more poppy one. And this is a more like uh, full band, you know, it's like a drum track yeah. on the other one. This is more full band. And I really like the sound of it. I love that bricky fuzz type of, you know, chunky fuzz sound to it uh, mixed with that clean. It sounds so good. And the drums are I'm punchy. I'm pretty sure I read that he used the bat strat. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure. Oh, man. I'm, I'm, I'm almost 100% positive. Love that bat there was strat. there was some yeah there was some it was used on some stuff and it, and i think flood recorded it didn't he uh didn't yeah i think so yeah because yeah so probably at flood's insistence um yeah let me refer to my uh, cd booklet produced by flood and billy corgan boom there you go there you there go. go yeah because the other version i got i remember saying that i got like courtney love vibes that he was talking about but this one i think matt you're you know right on about like the hollywood stuff you know um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like that kind of uh, uh, Hollywood or just the society as a whole uh, in that time where we were well, going know, to as it's well. Funny too. It's funny too with the pumpkins. I mean, you know, when I said that Billy, you know, wanted the spotlight on those that sort of thing, they were very contentious too. Like they did SNL. Let's see twice. I mean, well, they did SNL like three times in. The first for Siamese Dream, the second for Melancholy. They didn't appear in a sketch in either of those, but on Adore they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a, a catalyst, a change in Billy's mind as far as what he, as he was seen, how he wanted to appear. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I mean, and there's like contention, like they, they, I remember they didn't want to do the Letterman show when Siamese Dream came out because they couldn't imagine Paul Schaefer jamming with them, <laughs> you know. Like that that was the pumpkin I mean, thing. But can you imagine the organ solo if they play right. the I mean. <laughs> But what do they do when a door comes out? They play the Letterman show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on Melancholy they even play Conan. They play Muzzle. Yeah. Oh, and they did do a sketch. It wasn't in that it wasn't used in that episode, but it was they filmed uh, um, we just brought it up, but they filmed like a little sketch where Max, Max Weinberg was jealous yeah. of the pumpkins, yep. and I think it was from that same appearance. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, pretty that good. Was great. Love that. Well, there's a reason I'm, I'm mentioning this. It's because sometimes I worry that you get a little jealous of the guest bands that play on the show, and you really shouldn't because you're great. Jealous? Max, come on. You're not fooling anyone. The Smashing Pumpkins were, were on the show recently, and... And it's a huge band, and, and kids love them. And face it, Max, you uh, you got a little competitive with the Smashing Pumpkins. You did. Uh, I don't know, Conan. I, I really don't know what you're talking about. Okay, uh, I'll just have to roll the tape then. Ladies and gentlemen, we have tape of when the Smashing Pumpkins were here. And tell me if I'm wrong. You were jealous. Mm. But, um, yeah, and then they appear in the... For a door, they appear in that sketch with, uh, I think, is it Cameron Diaz? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the Butabi brothers. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, night the, at the Roxbury sketch. Roxbury guys. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> but I, I just think that things changed with, like, the, you know, with the band as far as how they wanted to appear, and particularly Billy. And I yeah. think this song is definitely poignant, poignant as far as how he felt at that point, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, any final thoughts on Here's to the Atom Bob? Great track. 
Yeah, love it. Love it. Very great. Um, all right. Well, speaking of things that fly, we're going from bombs to birds. The next song is Sparrow. Sparrow, Sparrow, Silent Sparrow, Secret Serpentine Smile, Distant Crying Child. Right, Sparrow, Matt, what are your thoughts on this jam? Sparse acoustic. I think that Billy, in the lyric, for sure longs for, for a childhood that he feels that he didn't have, similar with Disarm. I, he, here's the weird thing I've noticed about, because as much as Billy says he plays a character in maybe the lyric and and stage, I think a lot of the lyrics are very, you know, they're very close to his actual self. <laughs> True. Yeah. yeah I, I'm not quite. I'm not quite sure. I agree with him always saying that he plays character, and I think he says that to protect himself a lot of times because the lyrics are like, you know what I mean? They're so totally. Personal. I think that playing a character sort of um, as the one presenting your very personal work makes a lot of sense because it's like you right. know that's the person out front getting the tomatoes or whatever slung at them, but you're. <laughs> You know your um, your words, your your feelings are like probably. You know, I mean, you know, it's a very vulnerable thing to put out there. So yeah, I think there's some some truth to that. It's not all um, a f- not a fabrication. That's I don't think that's even what he's saying. But you know, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying for sure. The heightened version yeah. of himself, kind of. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think. Uh, I mean, during this era too, because this is a door outtake. Uh, even though it feels like it could be a B-side to Tonight Tonight. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking too. It almost sounds melancholy. Same. Yeah. 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 It feels more in line with that than say. Um, uh, a door like some of these other mm-hmm. tracks we'll get to yeah. later but yeah i yeah it just feels like a tonight tonight you know uh sadlands type of b-side to me mm-hmm. um i i like it fine i think it's it's really beautiful though uh, it's not one that yeah, i like absolutely. uh go to a lot when i re-listen to pumpkin stuff uh mm-hmm. doesn't really end up on the mixes but i i think it's gorgeous yeah i i also thought uh, it you know i thought of though it, it has the feel of those exactly what you guys said that those tracks on the tonight tonight single those very stripped down kind of billy alone you know in what sounds like a closet or something just recording like a really intimate demo-y you know version of a song but um yeah the lyrics are kind of interesting because um well there's a little bit of a britney spears moment where he says um just one man, still a boy, perhaps. A little bit of <laughs> not yet a woman. But then he, yeah. the lyric... Sometimes I cry. Yeah. Sometimes I hide. The, the lyric, um, simple, silent, humble human being, is... It's interesting because it's like, Billy is neither simple nor silent. Not <laughs> the most humble person, which is, you know, I think right. I, I appreciate about him. 
He is yeah, a human being, but it's yeah that that almost feels like pre- <laughs> that's just kind of funny. It's kind of like a like well, Linda I mean, Richmond listen- like discuss you know like right. The lyric is in, in like I'm just one man, still a boy, perhaps, and then also the you can see me wave the same. I'm the same. That's like. I mean, that's like at, through all of what has happened to him, he's the same. He feels, yeah. mm-hmm. but again, he's not the same. And I think that's that's another thing is like a, there's this sense of loss in this song, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And we'll return to that theme later in one of the uh, later songs uh, that mm-hmm. kind of touches on that type of lyric as well. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And just like in terms of Billy's writing style, the lyric or the little snippet of a lyric scatter frailed like whistling wind i mean like that that's like his writing style boiled down i feel like scatter yeah. frailed ju- you know the like it and it's beautiful you know like i feel like that's yeah. a big part of what <clears throat> drew me to the band is these like compelling kind of um you know i don't know compound word storybook sounding like uh, phrases that he puts together yeah there's really no other band of their peerage that that wrote that they had written like that i don't think the only thing i can think of i mean you you think of the beatles sort of mm-hmm. yeah. like a john lennon would put together a lyric set like that right but yeah. but but the pumpkins were standalone as far as, as stuff like that mm-hmm. i mean actually the only other band i can think of something like that but it's it's probably more dark and depressive and kind of sickly is kurt uh, is yeah i was yeah. just gonna say yeah and they both i think um stem a lot i think they both i don't know if i i assume kurt was heavily influenced by or influenced by john lennon as much as billy was you know um but i something i find interesting they both read beat poets they both read uh jack kerouac they both read you know william burroughs right so i wonder how much of it comes from that you know Mm -hmm. from that sense of literacy right um they're both big readers and i think maybe that's part of the reason yeah both literate like you can almost lose it because there's so much of that at least when they were new this youthful like angst and energy but there is this sort of um i don't know literary kind of uh lineage in in the the way they write for sure yeah i definitely agree with that yeah Put that lyric on a pillow and sell it in the store. Mm-hmm. Right. Sell it on your Etsy store. I think it's interesting that he he brings up film stars um, because he seems to have an affinity for, or seems to at least put himself in the position of a film star mm-hmm. in the way that they ascend to these great heights and they have to deal with what is essentially human. I mean, being human in that spotlight. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. Gish is named after Lillian Gish, who was an old film star. Yeah, the Tonight Tonight video is again basically based off of a very classic film. I think it's interesting that he puts these this imagery in the band. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of old Hollywood, almost like Sunset Boulevard, Fall from Grace type Mm -hmm. of you know feelings that he seems to that that melancholy of that time Mm -hmm. of old hollywood of uh silent era into the talkies uh if you will yeah and you know what's funny is you could tell that billy from the inception of the band already because gish you know for is is named gish but he already had an affinity and like an awareness for that stuff so it was just a matter of time before 
he could begin to identify with the sort of fall from grace side of things, which which yeah. happened because they got so huge. You know, they did achieve Absolutely. such yeah. heights of fame. But you kind of know, like, you know, Billy almost like not was waiting for that, but was like uh, ready for it in a in a way. In yeah. terms of recognizing like the shadow side of this um, fake shiny thing that they had yeah. achieved. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Eiffel Towers and distant isles and ocean miles and mountain wilds and field styles and restless charge moving raw and soaring gone, gone, gone and with melting lions Well, you know, uh, one of my favorite parts of going to the movies is waiting in line. And the next song is Waiting. Yes, I am That's not my yeah. favorite part, but I mean, honestly, now I, I would I would take it. You know, I haven't been to the <laughs> yeah, movies I mean, in two years. Jesus, come on. Yeah, you haven't been back to the movies yet, Pat. I haven't been back to the movies. I've been. To, I guess I've kind of done all the regular. Like we've gone to, you know, we went to a concert recently. Yeah. We, I've been. I've seen music. I've been to restaurants, but I have not. Yeah, I just haven't gone to a movie. It just hasn't happened yet pretty great uh there's one down the street from us a movie theater and we just go when nobody's there and it's uh it's good i gotta st- i i miss it a ton i miss it yeah. a ton and it's the thing i've been it's really like, nice i mean i wore my mask the most of the time but you know yeah whatever. yeah i'm ready there's that but that's but other than that uh pretty great yeah, yeah. anyway waiting matt what are your feelings yes. on waiting um i think it kind of sounds like the music from spyro <laughs> okay the you mean video the video game, game? yeah yeah, like Stuart Copeland scored that whole thing. Yeah. But uh, it reminds me of that for sure. It's kind of trip hoppy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like it. Yeah, it's got that kind of uh, drum beat of the era maybe that's one of the reasons why it's it's not quite my favorite um just because that drum machine beat does kind of date it a little bit but it's um it's definitely ahead of its time uh for Mm -hmm. when it was made because you did hear a lot of that kind of later on in the late aughts Mm -hmm. um early 2000s um but listening to it this time because i didn't listen to it all that much uh it was like i was hearing it for the first time and as the song went on i really enjoyed it and i think it would have probably fit on the door mm-hmm. yeah and I, I what i think is really cool about it is very beautiful it has 12 string on it it has a little bit of a reverb or a phaser on the guitar so it just sounds uh incredibly beautiful mm-hmm. um i i can see why it's not on a door honestly because like I think that the pillars of a door are very tall. 
And I think in order to have made it on the album, it would have had to um, probably been more interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think that the songs on Adore are the ones ultimately that are more interesting. Yeah. Adore is filled with like high peaks and deep, deep valley like high deep high highs and low lows um i will say that for a standard band it would be an album track so yeah yeah, there's that i um i do love this song though it's 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 just so pretty like the intro on this is just really really lovely sounding i do hear what you're saying frank and i feel that this is this kind of like about the drum machine like the pumpkins foray into you know like trip hoppy stuff or, or more electronic, electronic stuff. When you listen to it now, it is from however many you know it has a '90s vibe. But this is so it's kind of stripped down that it almost doesn't feel quite so dated to me because it's just so um, I don't know. It's just got like kind of I don't know such sparse drum machine kind of that it it doesn't there weren't feel really bands at that point who were making beautiful music with trip hop mm-hmm. drum machine beats right i mean there, there there were bands that you were using drum machines and trip hop beats but it wasn't exactly i mean it was not it wasn't folk music behind it you know what i mean right it's, yeah. it's totally different yeah I mean, with the exception of some sneaker pimps or portis head but you yeah know. that's the only thing i could think of portis head is or sneaker pimps But it, I mean, again, that that's that's like cool R and B vibes for sneaker pimps and stuff like that. And it's not really it's not really folk, but but you see like the combination of the folk and like almost archaic music with electronic, which is what they were trying to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. I honestly think they're really successful at it. I can't think of another record that really sounds like that, mm-hmm. which is kind of the goal. Yeah, and I just um I I feel like on this batch of songs, um. There are also just, you know, some great lyrics throughout this, which we've, we've yeah. been talking about. But I am waiting inside your doubt. Just let me out. I th- I don't know. I thought that was so, that's such a to be waiting inside someone's doubt. I don't know. It's just or standing a, inside someone's love. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I. That's what I would say. It points to is, and also the talk about God throughout the song is like a total arrow into the Machina era, mm-hmm. where he's like, you know, I'm standing inside your love, and I'm also hearing the voice of God. Like it, it, it's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where it's all coming together. Yeah, and it's got that sort of late stage pumpkins piano throughout it, which we were yeah. talking about mm-hmm. a lot in the Machina episodes and the Machina the final tour because they reworked a lot of older songs using this piano and uh, yeah. Mike Garson played with them and stuff. And it's it, yeah, it's really pretty. It's it's um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like this this um, late stage pumpkins. Like we've talked about that, you know that. The, had they stayed together initially that maybe they it seemed like they would have probably explored this sound even further i think my favorite lyric and probably a really good summation of why i love billy and pumpkin's lyrics is um yes i'm waiting in silence throne mm-hmm. that's, that's i mean that's one. like such a that's that's so you could tie that lineage to my writing so much where i'm like oh that's that's like an idea that i would because of the pumpkins i would write. yeah it's yeah. very very <laughs> i'm waiting Billy. yes i'm waiting in silence though. silence throne, which yeah. is it is it's like 
it because it means you know it means multiple things mm -hmm. like you know he's waiting obviously but he's waiting in a place where he's alone and nobody's around but he's also very high up mm -hmm. which is interesting i think I yeah and that could be a lyric there. that came out last year or you know yeah i know exactly 25 right? years ago yeah. yep which yeah or it could be a lyric or it could be a writing that comes out as like shakespeare or something mm -hmm. it's like Correct. some of it some of the music the the lyrics are so archaic that mm -hmm. it's like i mean you like i mean they brought it up in an interview i read one time but there were you know some of the archaic lyrics in cupid de Lock or you know in the arms of sleep mm -hmm. which are two of my favorite pumpkin songs it's just very much that side of the band totally yeah yeah well, it's yeah. funny that you said that it points to Machina because uh, Virgin released like this weird kind of promo for Machina where it had like a compilation of like six career spanning mm -hmm. songs uh, to promote it. And this actually appeared on that promo. Oh, was that? On oh, there? wow. Yeah. That was wow. the only other place that it had been released. Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That little um, promo thing is 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 interesting because it's career spanning songs but it's not um necessarily the like the most you know go-to greatest hits listing either it's like yeah. it is it's well, like career sp six songs that does kind of in a you know in a diff a less obvious way sort of span the you know scope of their sound yeah it's just weird that they picked that song to go along with it mm -hmm. yeah uh any final thoughts on waiting I also think it means he's waiting for people to catch up to him. Oh, yeah, I get that. I mean, if you take the whole thing as an allegory for where they were in the position position of a door, he already knew what the incoming result was going to be. I think. Yeah. And I think this is a pretty good this is a pretty good statement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good observation. And I think all these years later, with this podcast, he can stop waiting because we are. <laughs> That's right getting it yeah, we're yeah. understanding it That's we're right. here we're we're ex we're appreciating everything yes, um well uh, old favorite is back but this time in a different form we're talking about saturnine Not the cloudy Machina 2 version.
Correct. Yeah, not the cloudy, uh, which we talked about in the Machina uh, 2 episodes. Uh, Matt, what are your feelings on this version of Saturnine? It almost has the rhythm sound of Ava Adore 1. Right. It's like, I wonder if I wonder if this was pre-Ava Adore, and then from that they wrote Ava. I don't know, but pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. It's very Billy. <laughs> yeah. Well, this one has, it's what I like about the two different versions is they have completely different lyrics. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a yeah. few there's a few similarities, but I think that for the most part, I like that we have differences in both sound and lyrics for these songs. I really dig that mm-hmm. as a fan, you know, like we have Definitely. these options. And it, this feels like one of those songs, and there are a few of them where he could write or produce 10 versions of it all with the different sound and all with just yeah. those same that same you know type of lyric structure but just different just endless verses you know yeah, yeah definitely and i think i think you know cuz it's it, it it's it's about a storm but i mean is it actually about a storm or is it about like an a, like a you know the storm a storm storm because it could be about a literal storm and actually, you know, Saturn causing a storm, which is a planetary thing that's possible. But it could also be like a storm as in, you know, it means something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Incoming chaos. Mm-hmm. I um, All I know is I used to really bang this version. Like this was like one of my favorite right. songs off of uh, it was it became one of my favorite pumpkin songs and i would listen to it all the time i listen to this version a lot more um than the other one i will say listening to it now i still really dig it but it does it does have a little bit of a dated vibe that's just the production you know i could feel the 20 years pass it you know that have passed since i since i was had it in my rotation it's weird because the the rhyme of the the saturnine um how i'd love to make you mine reminds me of chewing gum mm-hmm. yeah the that that B side, mm-hmm. which was one of my favorites, I, I love that. Yeah, it's What is chewing gum on again? That was on the Adore uh, Deluxe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just, yeah, outtake sort of deal, but like it's very similar to that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get that with the rhyming structure and everything. Yeah. What's really weird about chewing gum and Saturnine to some level kind of remind me of like Gish or pre-Gish era mm-hmm. as far as the structure and the rhyme structure and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. He didn't really do that like Siamese or Melancholy era. And then not really Machina really either. I mean, it's pretty pretty interesting. Right. Yeah. yeah. You mean like kind of almost simplistic rhyme? Yeah, scheme? almost like yeah. Yeah, almost just like yeah, I don't know. Like like it's 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 almost childish in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nursery I like rhyming. it still, but it's like it's very interesting cuz it's only like one breath of the band that you see. Right. Yeah. You don't see it very often. Yeah. But he definitely has in him for sure and can sort of um yeah, turn it on when when needed. Camera, take this picture. The 
this definitely shows the Depeche Mode influence uh, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this oh, one yeah. sounds like Songs of Faith and Devotion and Ultra Era yeah. Depeche yeah. Mode. It's one of the reasons why I loved this version too. But I, I mean, I honestly go back and forth between which version I like more. But uh, mm-hmm. these are both excellent. Yeah, I, really I think I this, this used to be my favorite for sure, and now I kind of um, now it's for, sort of a tie. Like this will always hold a special place for me. But um, absolutely, yeah. But this would be. It's funny because they they. It's funny, but you know it's interesting. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> good story, Pat. Yeah, I love that story. <laughs> Um, but they play this would be like if you were to make if you were to somehow like create a Pumpkins album a fictional album that never was that contained like this that of all songs that sound like I or you know or like oh, yeah. long on an album with I this would definitely be one of yeah, them yeah absolutely that bounce yeah and then they played them together when I um, on the In Plane Song tour which I was like so psyched about they played them back to back it was they were they were sort of put together in their own little section of Interesting. the show yeah. Um, yeah I think they did that with didn't they do that on uh, the last they tour have. they did too because they, they might had, have done it like, on Shiny as well or I don't remember if they did Saturn Night on that maybe not because there was like a the cluster of songs where it was like I Saturnine and like big uh, end is or not end is beginning is the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes oh, sense. Yeah. Those are all yeah. of a of a piece, kind of. Maybe I'm remembering that wrong though, but I can't remember. But That's I thought a good idea right. though. They didn't. Was it? It is a good idea. <laughs> um, yeah. Any final thoughts on Saturnine? No, I I think we covered it. To weather the coming storm. They are inside now. Well, then I guess it's uh, time we forge ahead and uh, rock on. Right, rock on. Um, so they played this during the Sacred and Profane tour, and it's right. the only known Smashing Pumpkins recording to feature Melissa Aftumar. Yeah, you can, and you can really sense it. <laughs> you can sense it's her on bass and not Billy or Darcy. Oh, right. Yeah, it, the, the recording took place at a rehearsal show on April 6, 2000, at the Riviera Theater in Chicago. Um, oh, I always thought they went to studio proper. That's what it sounds that. like. I just learned. I didn't know this was um, a live track until recently. Yeah, I had no totally idea. Like I mean, it makes total sense the way it's performed, yeah, right. but it sounds so clean, and it's obviously like from the you know, there's no audience or, or anything. I yeah. didn't know. I didn't know until very recently. Melissa plays the bass much more aggressively too than than yeah than Billy than Billy or Darcy. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because that this this track I. Uh, didn't love it. Uh, I also not a big fan of the original song, and especially we've talked about mm-hmm. this in uh, one of the previous episodes of the um, the last Metro show. How I, I can't stand the Michael Damien '80s cover uh, of this song. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, the live version of this that was on like the, the Metro show or that they played during the Sacred and Profane sounds way beefier and heavier because they usually use this as a transition to go into heavy metal machine. Mm-hmm. Oh, that totally makes sense. Oh, and that, that transition is incredible yeah, in the yeah. final Metro show. I mean, it's I'll drop awesome. that sound here because I can't get enough of it. But the way it just roars into it is incredible. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as this recording goes, Matt, what are your thoughts? I think it's a showcase for Jimmy. <laughs> Some of Jimmy's stuff on the song is ridiculous. Right. I mean, I think that's honestly what I mean. What it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like an all-out Pumpkins rock tribute. So of course Jimmy goes crazy on it. Mm-hmm. It has obviously heavy metal machine vibes, um, which is I mean it makes sense. It would go right into it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, this is the Pumpkins Machina post machina era rocking yeah and you can tell it's like it is a bit of um it's a bit of an indulgent choice of song to do but then if you listen to if you because i similarly didn't all i wasn't always in the mood to listen to this you know and i would some often skip it but when you actually do and when you when you you know, take into account that, like, yeah, it is kind of an indulgent thing to do. They fucking indulge hard, like they, like yeah, you said, they go there. They totally go no. there, Billy. And and this is like, um, I don't know if this is them playing a character, but this is them wearing like Halloween costumes of themselves, kind of. Like oh, yeah. Billy yeah. is doing. This definitely a goof. fits into the glass theme. Yeah, Billy's oh, yeah. mocking his own voice. He's like, well, I know. Now I got like he's like taking his own voice and you know doing like self parody of it, like making it as nasally and uh, like annoying, frankly, as which I I exactly. love. I love I love the sort of um, I don't know. I love when he does that. Like I think it's funny. I think it's kind of I was cool. I'm a big big fan of his um his um. His hair, where he would like, yeah. he's like, um, there's like, um, like cowboy. <laughs> I am one. Hair. Yeah, I totally yeah. know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Geek <laughs> USA, like. I love that. I man. love that. I love so that much. about vocalists. I I feel like I woke up to to um, Beyonce. Like I don't think I think I was like, you know, when Beyonce dropped her album where she's like the you know the surprise visual album and back in 2014 Lemonade. or whatever. Pre-Lemonade, the one before Lemonade. Oh, oh right. right. And she sings, there's obviously like surfboard, like that's the one people quote, but she has all these like vocalizations that are like really interesting. Like she'll add like a lisp sometimes or she'll, like that's when I was like, oh shit, Beyonce rules, you know? Like, and yeah, Billy is well, somebody yeah, who rules. really plays with his voice and he's doing yeah. it so much on the, on the um, I feel like he picked that back, that playfulness with his own voice back up again to a certain extent on seer like in ways yeah. that i hadn't heard in a long time which is yeah which I he love. influenced he influenced me to do that for sure live and stuff like that i, I love that mm-hmm. um i remember uh dave Grohl from the food fighters he when they would do um weenie beanie in the first tour he started doing um instead of doing one shot nothing or whatever screaming that he would say one shot nothing one shot nothing which is mm-hmm. from Devo. Yeah. 
and then I started was like, oh, that's so cool. And then yeah, and then I got into pumpkin, and Billy did the same. Bill, Billy did similar things. I was like, oh, that's yeah. so awesome. Mm-hmm. Speaking of nods to other songs, we get a few, you know, other l- lyrical nods in here. Like everybody wants some, mm-hmm. you know. Everybody wants some. I want some too. Everybody wants some. Hey, how about you? There was another one. What was yep. before that one? The Cradle Will Rock. Yeah, that's cradle it. Will rock. Yes, the Cradle, the Cradle Will Rock. I said rock on. Yes, the Cradle, the Cradle Will Rock. And I say rock on. Yeah, so it's both, yeah, so it's it's both uh, Van Halen, you know, reference. Yeah, yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Um, yeah, any final thoughts on Rock All? Rock. rock. All right, well, uh, let's change our sights and set the ray to Jerry. We've talked a lot about Set the Ray to Jerry. Um, again, one of the best, and the original goes back to the Siamese Dream demos. Yeah, the demos of the, the original. There's a Siamese Dream on quite another song of Set the Ray yeah. to Jerry. So it could have been on the Siamese faster, Dream. faster, more rock version. Which had the same flanged intro. I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, and if you haven't heard that, I'm going to drop that right here. Is one of my favorite pumpkin songs ever. Mm-hmm. So, mine too. I think it's yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about that since we've talked. Yeah, we've got uh, it on and on, but in, it's. I, I in, totally agree with you on that. Definitely. Yeah. So, if you want to hear Pat and I about our deep, deep thoughts on this song, you can go back to the Aeroplane Flies High episode, uh, us talking about 1979. Um, but Matt, what are your feelings on "Set the Ray to Jerry"? I think this song was inexplicably um i think it was influenced by Catherine wheel hmm. oh i yeah i can hear that that's so and funny why like, they're one of my favorite bands but yeah and i think i think it's probably one of the only songs i would i would say remind me of that band hmm. but it doesn't really sound like any other pumpkin song 
Yeah, they both have this beautiful kind of wash over you quality. The just Catherine Wheel in general as a band and this song. You could hear Rob. You could hear Rob singing that, which I think even mel- melodically has an influence. So I think that's pretty interesting. That's amazing. Yeah, I've never heard Billy talk about Catherine Wheel, but they're one of my absolute favorite bands. I've heard him talk about Catherine Wheel before. I've I've heard. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. He talked about Catherine and Catherine Wheel. Which, right? <laughs> I mean, it makes yeah. sense. But the yeah. bass line where it reverses and stuff like that is so Catherine Wheel mm-hmm. vibe. Like, yeah. I've never heard a band that does that. Yeah, really the bass line in the song is, is incredible. I mean, it's so on display, yeah. too, which uh, just a lot of music you don't get to kind of, unless you're a musician which, and I you're mean, kind of Darcy, trained to, but it, you can really follow. I think Darcy obviously came up with it because. You think? Yeah, because, I mean, if it was in Siamese Dream Era and they were doing it, the rehearsal for the Quiet and Other Songs or whatever, she was playing the bass. Mm-hmm. So I would assume she came up with the bass line. Yeah, I mean, if this, if we could point to this as, some, as like, because we've talked about before, too, because on so many, in terms of recordings, non-live, you know, album or B-side tracks, like, it is kind of hard to... Um, piece to unless you're like you've been to a million shows over uh, when she was in the band it's kind of hard to pinpoint what is darcy's playing style just because billy plays bass on so many of the album tracks um but that would be cool to be able to point to this as like signature the swagger of the bass line is super darcy Mm -hmm. i think So, I know that Billy wished he had left it on Melancholy, but Flood thought it shouldn't belong on there. Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I could, I could see why a little bit. I mean, I get, I guess, with a little bit more, I like the kind of sparseness and the lo-fi quality to it. So I don't know what a more beefed up, you know, they had spent more time yeah. in the studio with it, tinkering with it, or with the master or what how that would have turned out if I would have liked it as mm-hmm. much, but I like the kind of scrappy. What I think is funny it. is it's almost, it's almost single like for another band, like mm-hmm. another band could have that as a single. Oh, yeah. and you would accept that. Yeah. And I think by this point already in 2001, when this collection came out and certainly by now, this is like, um, this is like a hit among fans. I feel like this is like a go-to yeah. fa- like a lot of people, you know, in their top top three top five top ten pumpkins you know what it's really weird the pumpkins don't get the credit that they deserve as far as influencing what came after them Mm -hmm. and i'd actually point to this as a different as like a as like a kind of like a general direction thing but like melodies like this and like the the chorus of this or like the chorus of war or like the the verses of war and stuff like that they're almost john mary they're Mm -hmm. almost like vertical horizon john mayer vibe right Oh yeah, and vertical, you know, that's that's just interesting to me because those bands became really big bands. But it's like, I honestly think some of that stuff is coming from Pumpkins' influence, or at least you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I'm sure I, I know that they their um, their influence cast like sort of a wide you know set of ripples in all directions. And because they they have so much in their arsenal, I guess it's probably harder for people to just be like, oh, the, that sounds like the Pumpkins, because the Pumpkins 
can yeah. sound so many different ways, you know. It's true. It's yeah. there's no band other than the Beatles that have really done that. Yeah, there's I mean, no I was band. listening to you know that that so Post Malone song from the Spider Man into the Spider Verse soundtrack, right? Um, uh, Sunflower. That sounds pumpkin mm-hmm. to me. That's got like kind of a yeah. door vibes. Like I feel like a lot of, I don't know. I think there's like newer pop that it that has sort of yeah billy was saying stuff. that even even the production on machina you'd start to hear you'd crept into rihanna uh-huh. tracks that you would hear later interesting yeah yeah which is i mean that's pretty crazy to think about yeah yeah there's definitely this and i mean that's that's we've t- you know there's this um I don't know undercurrent of like people currently musicians who who you wouldn't uh, who are of different eras and you know different uh, genres if that however much that means anymore like but that give these nods to the pumpkins whether it's wearing a shirt or well I found out I found out Billy um, produced Breaking Benjamin's first album mm-hmm. or at least some songs on it. And it's so weird because there's this one song in particular called So Cold that I was always like, I really like this song. I wonder if like why I like it so much because I'm not really into that kind of like schlocky, mm-hmm. you know, rock yeah. stuff. I'm like, this, there's something about this. Mm-hmm. And I looked into it and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I get it now. Mm-hmm. I've heard some of the co-written stuff and I've heard some of the just produced stuff. And it's so interesting because it's like, oh, it's almost like a Billy choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting. Any final thoughts on Set the Ray to Jerry? Why is it called Set the Ray to Jerry? I don't know. I, I wondered that myself. I wonder if it's like... So one of those things where mayonnaise, mayonnaise, yeah. you know, uh, that type of it's an inside joke, obviously. Right. But I think it's like right. maybe it's possible it was a it was a um, amp thing or like a and they kept just saying it. Yeah, it also yeah. oh, it also sounds like um, well, it definitely has that sort of '90s, '70s nostalgia, like set the phasers to stun. Exactly, um, that's exactly what it is. It, but a, then, you know, term. Jerry was some inside joke. It also kind of sounds, it feels like it's a shame about Ray. You know, it's very 90s sounding. Oh, to me, yeah, it's very thing. much like it's, a, oh, that's a great comparison. It just has the same boom, 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 boom name. Like, it just sounds, It's it's got a real 90s, like, sense of humor about it. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. Gen okay. X. Gen X humor. Yeah, I don't know. Or it could be, could be Jerry uh, Garcia. Right, yeah, and so if they were true. trying to create some, if they were t- dialing in their their gear to do some kind of That's sound right. that the dead made at some point, you could yeah. do that too. That's so true. Um, I will. Yeah. I'm going to point out, um, suck you, like the sap from a tree, mm-hmm. honey from the dew from the bumblebees is very much Billy. Too. It's one of the best. <laughs> that moment. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that yeah, moment that. in the song is. It's one of my favorite pumpkins. You couldn't have moments. a better lyric to support that. Let roar these fears to the horror of my tears. Pure as your eyes. Suck you. Like a sap from a tree. Honey from the dew. From the bombs. Totally. Yeah. 
And even Jimmy's drumming too yeah. to complement uh-huh. that, because even after he says that one line, you hear the hi hat. You know, yeah, incredible, you know, great, great, um, understated, or or just a different gear of Jimmy too on display in the song. Absolutely, his jazz, cha- yeah. like the drums are, they're powerful still, but they are not pummeling. Obviously, they're, no, it's, it's just Jimmy yeah. being like so proficient and like soulful in his in drumming. his wheelhouse. I think of his of his like um just kind of laying it getting the hypnotic groove of the, mm-hmm. of the, the track down yeah absolutely yeah, such, i mean we could yeah. we could talk about this song all day but we don't want to bore you by talking about it winter long so let my friends fly under these wings we're giving it up to the sun we're giving it up to the moon We're giving it up to the earth Giving it up from our room Winter Long is another Adore demo. Uh, it was slated to appear uh, on the Machina reissue that is yet to be seen, um, according to Billy's Instagram, back last December, um, that he said that a, a digital home demo will be used with some added overdubs. That's so cool. We're in that we're era now. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a lot of that Machina reissue, I think, because he was in the studio redoing yeah. some stuff and adding, just because of the masters right. uh, being kind of lost to time and that ridiculous process of having to bake, you know, certain things just to get the, mm-hmm. the actual files. And so it's it's wild. I can't wait to hear it, of course. So I'm, not, sh- I'm not sure about this, but is Winterlung the intro for If All Goes Wrong? It's very similar, if not. I can't remember. I I don't know. I, I I honestly don't remember. Right, just the beginning. I feel like the. I mean, it might not be, but it's very similar. Similar chords for sure, if not. Well, speaking of that, it did sound like an earlier version of Vanity up right. until the chorus. Mm-hmm. There's like oh, a very be, yeah. like the same swing, and even the the notes kind of sound a little similar right. up until the chorus. Will the silence shatter and stall? Some feel movement, others stand still. You can hear the big bones crack beneath our wheels. Tears But yeah, what are, what are your thoughts on this, Matt? I think the the whole the whole track, not the whole track, but a lot of the track is about the end of the band. I think it had it had this lyric that I was the first one, I was the last one to be strong. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's like obviously him. He was the first to be he was the first to be strong as far, but he was also the last one to be strong. Like he didn't give up until the end, mm-hmm. which other people did. So it's very haunting track i feel like yeah yeah i feel like the the title or the title of the song is very appropriate because it does feel wintry i put down almost has like a jack london feel to it you know uh and that kind of repetitive nature to it uh but that we built a fire part is really great we built a fire winter long transform new I was the first one 
And I even wonder what a full band version would sound like. Like that last 30 seconds, if it would be full band, it almost has this like REM feel to it. Yeah, for sure. This is also, um, well, I think it, 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 it's, um, I really love this song. It's a bold move to, and maybe we were talking about this, but the, to take, cause this was, there was a Neil Young song, Winter Long, um, to kind of yeah. take an established song title that's been around a long time and people know as one thing and sort of re, you know, like reclaim it a little bit. And also the Pixies covered the, Neil Young version, Neil Young which is a great yeah. fit for the picture. And they did that with Space Boy too, with Bowie. Oh yes, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, that's um, a good. Yeah, but I love great comparison. You know, I, lyrically, I love the lyric. We're giving it up to the sun. I I yeah. don't know full like it, it's it's one of those things where you know you can interpret it a few different ways, but either way, it has a similar. Either way, you kind of get it. I don't know. It's it's just a yeah. really beautiful, evocative lyric because it kind of reads as like, you know, either sacrificing something to the sun, or get, or just giving it up for the, you know, like kind of pray, pray, you know, praying to the sun. Yeah. But you know, it, you could read it in all sorts of ways, but it's just a great kind of timeless lyric. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that yeah, I think it's a lot. You know, like either it was a band member, like. I know there's nowhere to run. I know there's not much to lose. Sometimes it seems so long when you've had the chance to refuse, which is like when you're in a situation where you've been around with people and they've had the option to get out of the band, you know, out of the group. They've chosen not to, but you're still in this situation that seems very long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, when you see the writing on the wall a little bit too. Exactly. But I mean, from that perspective, the chance to refuse is giving up what your life is. So, I mean, that's kind of a, I mean, that's a hard situation to be in. Yeah, I mean, we see that in our profession a lot sometimes with people that we know who are in situations which they want to evolve from or get out of, and they're just like, but it's job security, or it's, you know, this or that, and they just kind of, yeah, go along with it. They, you know, fake it for one more show. All right. Well, uh, let's move on because the next song is Soot and Stars. So uh, this appeared on the Adore demos 
bootleg, but it's actually a Machina era demo. Interesting. And uh, it was recorded at Billy Corgan's house and was never played for the band or a producer. Ooh. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on this, but Matt, let's uh, get your thoughts. It, how I was going to say, it has to be the melancholy piano. <laughs> it's got that yeah. warble for sure. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, you could just hear that sound. I feel like this is like, this is a very, very personal <laughs> song. I mean, yeah, it's just incredible. It's ju- I just can't say enough good things about this song. I fucking love this yeah, one. It's, it's one of my, it might be my favorite of all the ones we've discussed on this um, collection so far. Incredible lyrics, too. Mm-hmm. I know. That's Here's the thing, Pat. Remember last time when we talked about Machina 2 and In My Body kind of mm-hmm. became a surprise yeah. favorite of mine? This one hit me in such a profound way, this mm-hmm. listen. I don't know why I just didn't... It didn't... I, I know I always liked this song, but I, I guess because I don't revisit Judas so that often... Again, like, you know, we talk about this a lot about how certain Pumpkins tracks just hit you at a certain time in your mm-hmm. life and you rediscover mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And it just bowls you over. And this one hit me like a, you know, freight totally. train. Like, it really did just, it became a new, absolute new favorite. I mean, I love the blank page vibes that it has. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. like, uh, the production is incredible. And this also, when I was listening, re listening to it last night, it's such a heavy song that it almost feels like it could be like a black metal song or like yeah. a drudgy doom yeah. metal version, you know, could be made of this song. Mm-hmm. It's so like dark and just so moody. And why hasn't an indie band named their band Suit and Stars yet? That's what I want to know. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm so surprised. Gang, it's up for grabs. Um, there's a lot of self-loathing in the lyric. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, kind of a crazy... <laughs> kind of a crazy personal amount yeah like i I was pretty shocked re-listening like i was like wow yeah just like yeah just such evocative lyrics even just the the one lyric of spells of esmeralda what Mm -hmm. the fuck that is (laughs) yeah incredible like i don't know there's just something about that that just feels so billy but it just like this song just really just i I can't say i also love that kind of prince like playfulness uh that he kind of puts into his vocals like we talked about earlier when he says, like, pushed until it broke, or foreign sound, or Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. Greek mythology, I pause with my pen. You know, yeah. like, there's a way that he Very does this emphasis on it that's, I don't know. It also sounds like early cure or slow yeah. dive, which yeah. I love. And just the love. intimacy of this, since you mentioned Prince, this does, we've I've talked about this a bunch, but that Prince um, piano and a microphone release that they put out from 1983. Yeah so intimate and so sparse because it is just prince piano and a microphone but he does so much he you get like it's such a great crash course in everything prince can do against like this very sparse backdrop you know like no distractions just him just his emotional range his like playfulness of vocalizing and everything i don't know it just that just popped into my head as sort of a you know this is much more bleak but man, some of the turns of phrase in here, like now my gates are, it just paints such a specific picture. Yeah. Like now my gates are high, my friends even higher. Like it's that, you know, rock star, like so successful that he's like completely isolated and like, yeah. you know, living in this like walled off world, you know, um, even just like the drinking strawberry wine that has always stayed right. in my head. Just that, like it, that, yeah. it just, just that image is like, 
you know, I love the open road and all it suggests. Love that wagon wheel dust. Such a great love the open road and all that it suggests is like that's such a great that's such a great yeah. lyric. Such a great little piece of writing. All that yeah. it suggests is like so Yeah. All that that lyric suggests is is just great. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Ghost of a Machine. Yeah, there's so many. Oh, so uh, hearkening back to or kind of uh, referring back to what you were talking about, Matt, about the uh, growing uh, aspect in the lyrics earlier. I mean, even in this one, a child is who I was. A child is who I'll Mm -hmm. die. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. (laughs) No, that like I was like, oh, my God. Uh, I don't know. I feel like for, you know, people of our generation, you know, we can definitely, I'm sure you're much younger than us, Matt, but like, I, I don't know. I just feel that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just feel that. My, my, my uh, go-to and my favorite is I always speak of you, but the you is always me. Uh-huh. Cause when I speak of me, it's me. I asked of you. Yeah. That's like, yeah. Oh my God. That's, that's, that's pretty Whew. I mean, you know what it means. It's also a little playful, as poignant as it is. Very John Lennon. I mean, that's like very Lennon. It's like a ping pong, (laughs) a little like, there's almost like a who's on first vibe to it. Yeah. In a a fun way. (laughs) Yeah. Just incredible song. I just can't, I I just, I'm in love Mm -hmm. with it. Uh, It's a new, absolute new favorite, even though it's been around forever and I liked it before. But just some, the way it hit this time was just something yeah, else same it's it's definitely one of my favorites that lyrically and just the vibe it just the the place it, it puts you in it's yeah so emotionally charged and just like it's it's it's, it's heavy and kind of sad sounding but it's such a joy to listen to i just love yeah, it's definitely lost heavy yeah yeah it's a great headphone mm-hmm. listen yeah absolutely uh, uh can we talk about one of the um, probably the only references to Billy's birthmark. Oh, which one's that? Where's that? Oh. It says, um, the urgency to move behind a panel door, searing, sealing cherry stain, I play my guitar. Yeah. And live those oh, lonesome notes. Right. Wow. I've heard him mention that his birthmark is a cherry stain mm-hmm. before in an interview. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, what do you think the sealing part of it is? Because it's S E A like sealing it up yeah like he's not he's 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 putting a long sleeve over it right hiding yeah. it because that's why he mostly wore long right. sleeves yeah yeah except for a future oh, embrace which we'll get that, to man. but i didn't even um yeah i didn't know about his birthmark until yeah, i didn't know for the longest future embrace time. came yeah. out when he's he's uh showing it yeah. yeah i think i i think the the yeah the the poignancy and the personal sentiment in this as far as you know it was never up to me yet i pushed until it broke i mean that's like mm-hmm. i mean that could be a relationship that could be the band that could be a, i think that's why it wasn't played by for a producer and band it was a wrap-up of the of the band it was a wrap-up of how he felt about himself and mm-hmm. his relationships it was a wrap-up of everything and it was really probably too personal yeah and you know we've we cover we've covered machina inside it out like um machina one machina proper their last official album has several tracks that feel like uh you know summation of the band or like a looking back or kind of like a looking back while still being in it but it was also kind of kind of um i don't know baked into the whole machina world like this feels like a true billy's private kind of look back on 
yeah, the band, is. you know, with like real kind of blood bleeding out um, as he's, and it's beautiful. I mean, it's so, it's just such a quality song, but you know what I mean? I mean, I guess there, it's one of many songs that of this era that feel like they're looking back on the band, but this one just has that extra bit of poignancy to it. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts? I have a one, but I, I don't know if I should bring it up because it's the line. I'm probably just going to bring it up. Anyway. I don't know if Billy's ever going to hear this, so it's probably okay. But the suit in my hair and the stars in my hand, the suit in my hair and the stars in my hand. I wonder if he's with the lyric being so personal. I wonder if he's actually talking about not having hair anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, uh. like whether that was, I mean, because I don't know. I, that, I've I've gone back and forth on this whole thing, but I think the stars in my hand is obviously the magic in his hands, like the the ability to bring all that he's gotten into his life was from his hands. Mm-hmm. Essentially. But I think I don't know. I think as much as he he talks about you know wanting to you know um, blank himself in front of everybody and kind of just de-emphasize everything by shaving his hair and making himself zero. I think that being a huge rock star and losing your hair was bad for him. Oh, that's got to be so hard. Yeah, and it, it's it's interesting that that is, this is like... like what else, what other reason would he have that? Well, there's that all, it, it kind of reminds me of like having soot in your hair, that brief period before he shaved his head, the early melancholy period where he had black, he dyed it black, yep. and it mm-hmm. was kind of wow. like, I didn't recognize it as thinning hair at the time, but obviously that's what was going on. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's a, you know, I'm sure that like to be, that's hard enough to deal with uh, but like to be fo- like on the cover of magazines and on tv you know with all these beautiful like uh, peers yeah. you know that that you're being held up against like it's definitely a loaded area that i'm sure the feelings around it have have seeped into his i mean songs. he did what was obviously the most brilliant thing you could do totally. which nobody would have done which yeah. I think is really interesting. Well, that's the thing that's great yeah. about Billy is that he he takes his makes pain. lemons out of lemonade. Yeah, he's he's the original yeah lemonade maker because like he took that paint that you know like losing your hair sucks like he took that and spun it into what is now his forever signature look. You know, like he is like yeah. he's one of the the and it works for him. One of the top bald men in history, you know. Well, he talked about when he shaved his head, he became beautiful in a different way. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, yeah, he became something else for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's def- it's a powerful move, I'm sure, when he actually did it, and um, yeah, it, it's it was like uh, burning something down to sort of find, you know rise out of it again. But yeah, definitely yeah. an interesting area, and I don't think it's um, I don't think it's like I don't know. I don't think it, there's anything offensive about it. Just to, anything to, like offensive about speculating about it, you know? Um, yeah. It's because it's it is interesting, and it's the only mention of his hair, you know, like uh, the only overt mention of like hair. I feel like that he he. You know, and it, it's weird. It's strange because he he cut his hair before Siamese Dream. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, while recording it, 
And that was also like a crazy bold move, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, it shouldn't be, but it was in an era where 93, yeah. you know, everybody was grunge. And I think that's why he did it. Yeah. Well, it, it re- the result was, and th- I didn't know Billy. I didn't, I had never seen Gish era Billy at the time. Like my first eyes on Billy and the band were Siamese Dream videos. Um, mm-hmm. So like he came out as this, he looked like such a boyish regular person kind of yeah. in this band of like sort of wonderfully like, um, like both really cool, but also like very um, relatable or very accessible people who of all different stripes. And yeah, there, there yeah was, it was a very bold move to just come out and be like, I rock really hard. I make really interesting sounding stuff i have a crazy unique voice and i kind of am not um i'm not looking like eddie vetter or um matt dylan's character from singles or or anything i'm like you know i don't know he kind of embodied in that era too he kind of embodied like the little boy sort of like these striped shirts and like you know little kid haircut kind of yeah yeah no it's i think it worked i Mm -hmm. i I don't think it would have been i don't know but i don't think it would have been it's interesting that's so interesting yeah it's all part of their appeal it's hard like it's and i don't think it's totally superficial to to say that like the look of the band is i don't know like this show is so much about what hooked us about this band at the outset yeah and um Uh that's definitely part of it well the yeah the visual aesthetic definitely had something to do with it as well i think it's just the combination of the music the visual aesthetic the personalities i mean that has all everything to do with why we love yeah this that's band. why it's so like i don't think there's many bands i could talk about for this many hours and it's because it's the, there's <laughs> there's the all those facets you know yeah there's so much to die you know to talk about to dive mm-hmm. into and speaking of um we're about to dive into the next track and the last track on this little disc which is called blissed and gone and if Blissing Gone was an adore outtake uh, that first appeared on the promotional EP Still Becoming a Part, and that three versions of the song later appeared on the uh, reissue of Adore. The CRC demo and the Sadlands versions are also known as the I Need You Around version mm-hmm. and have different lyrics. Uh, but this uh, version that appears on this is a little bit different. There's variations on this, especially since we heard on... Um, the final Metro show where they did the more jaunty right. kind of Tin Pan Alley version with the frogs. Uh, but this one actually has uh, Rick Nielsen, speaking mm-hmm. of, uh, from Cheap Trick. Wow. Uh, we we're talking about how he kind of played a, as a father figure to yeah. Billy in a way, you know. Uh, but yeah, what uh, what are your thoughts on Bliss and Gone, Matt? I think it sounds like, uh, reminds me of Beautiful, off Melancholy, for sure. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. the, the production and the, the sound of the way it, the way it flows. It kind of reminds me of Crestfallen, actually, like like melodically. Again, I think lyrically the song is is a summation of of the last you know seven years of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, the kids have left their tears and go home. Sweet seventeen, sour twenty nine. Such a great. I can't lyric. explain myself what I'd hope to find. You were all so kind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's just Billy to the fans, I think, and Billy to himself. Mm-hmm. One more song to slay this earth. I mean, that's like obviously right. That was like the vibe of the final show. One more song to to slay this earth. And it kept being one more song, you know. Um, Yeah. Uh, This song, it's, I think we've talked about this before, I'm sure, on Adore, because, you know, obviously it's like a little snippet of this music that ends Adore. But um, it was pulled from the track list ever after an encounter with Rick Rubin, who, after listening to it, simply remarked, whoa. And that whoa, Billy didn't know what to make of it, if it was like a whoa, this sucks, or whoa, you know, whatever. But it was like the whoa, the legend has it, was the reason why it wasn't... uh, Right. included on the album but i i man i love this one too i i and it it's it um it flows so nicely from the previous track it's like you, you you're sort of in that same emotional place a little bit um it's such a heart tugging little melody even in the yeah. 17 second version of it yeah but yeah it's beautiful and um also super kind of the most literal look back on the band because he said it is it's, he mentions it's very oblique it. it's like it i mean not oblique it's very very transparent yeah like, very so. over yeah because he says what i had myself i had my band yeah uh i had I my had love, my love i had no, I hand. Had no hand yeah and watching it all fall and watching apart. it all fall apart. yeah so yeah. that's kind of the most it's not coded at all that's like he's talking no about and it. and the two the dichotomy of the that lyric and the sentimentality of Oh, the kids' tears are gone, and they mm-hmm. let their kid tears or whatever. Right, like kind of mashed with this baby. I need you around. It's it's so strange mm-hmm. to me. Like that, that's like, I don't know. That's so interesting. But maybe the baby that he needs around isn't a woman. It's the band. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Or just like this feeling of longing to this be clo- connected exactly. again, close again. It's kind of mm-hmm. an inverse of today. Whereas today, like. You know, if today was about the worst day of your life actually being the best day of your life and coinciding with like the liftoff of the band, mm-hmm. the huge ascent yeah. of the band, this is like, this the is end. the come down and also kind of that like, because today has like the main lyrics and then the sort of like 
we talked about how the I want to turn you on part when you really think about it like doesn't it's sort of weird like it doesn't totally fit in with the rest of the song but this kind of feels like maybe another I don't know yeah. sort of an inverse version of that that kind of makes sense yeah you know it's not a perfect theory but I'm spinning these things in real time <laughs> you know what I'm saying no 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 I, yeah. I get what you're saying it's a thought no I, yeah I, I I know I, I agree with you Pat I think that there is I mean it just definitely I mean, this is obviously just, you know, it's his feelings about, like, the band. I mean, it was written as far back as a door, but, like, think about what was going on. That, I'm sure they were yeah. thinking about the end of the band at that point. There were a lot of reasons. To yeah. Be, you know. So many reasons why he would be going through that. And I'm sure that's why Rick Rubin, listening to the lyrics, was like, I think whoa, I would say, whoa, so too, heavy. you know. I would, <laughs> I would Yeah. I would just be like, holy, okay, that's where your mind is at. Okay, yeah. Uh, and then a pizza arrived, um, and Rick had to run to the door to get the pizza, so he could never elaborate on uh, <laughs> what he yeah, meant right. well. He loves pizza. Rick Rubin's like kind of a hands-off guy. He probably uh, doesn't repeat hear. himself. Right. Yeah, he does. It. I mean, we. I mean, the stories that I've always heard um, have just kind of been like he's very hands-off and kind of will like offer things here and there he's more of kind of like a spiritual guidance mm -hmm. yeah you know uh being like i know when he worked with metallica he was kind of like you know saying like okay well like go back to the stuff that people loved or like why why what were <laughs> that documentary is ridiculous <laughs> yeah i mean it just like he, i love he it would, he didn't i mean it sounded so like um not rude, but it was very pointed just to be like, well, where, what was that mindset then? Like, what was the energy that you had? And the, the part like, in bring that, some of that back. The part in that movie where Lars is showing his dad, like that, like windy Indian, like track sounding track. Oh, and his yeah. dad's just like, I don't, <laughs> it's like, we're thinking about introing the album, but he's just like, I don't, I don't like it. It's not yeah. good. <laughs> he said, yeah, he goes, uh, if that were me, I'd say delete that. <sighs> if you said, if you were our advisor, what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. Yeah, it gives, <laughs> it gives, yeah, you know, I, I, I die every time. Yeah, that, I mean, Some Kind of Monster is uh, one of the best music docs. Yeah, it's so good. The part where they, they get together and they're playing that warehouse or whatever. Um, yeah. It's, they're playing so shittily. Like, I can't believe that's on camera. Like, Lars is really. Oh, he's blowing it. It's terrible. God. Yeah, but they know that. I mean, that's what I like. That's what I appreciate about it. Well, that's it. Like, what I like uh, about it. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. Like, it's like, that's kind of what, it, I mean, be real about it, I guess. Mm -hmm. But they got yeah. horrible. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're one of my other favorite bands, too. But, like, they're just so transparent with everything. Yeah. They just kind of lay it all out there for their fans, the the ugly especially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that, that bit movie's kind of hard to watch. I mean, I love it, but it's like... That therapist, I wonder if, uh, because that therapist, Phil Tao, worked with um, Rage Against the Machine, and I wondered if at any point people, uh, because uh, they had the same management as the Pumpkins, Q Prime, right? You know, so I wonder if at any point when the band, the Pumpkins were going through this, they were like, hey, you should get this Phil mm -hmm. Tao guy, and Billy was like, fuck no. <laughs> yeah. No, <thanks>. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I don't want somebody to tell me to zone it. Yeah, you know? I know. Uh, and then, you know, make himself part of the noting process during the recording. I could see recording. that getting vetoed yeah. by this band. I could see oh, that being yeah. oh, one yeah. of the few things everyone agrees on in this band. Where they're all <laughs> yeah. like, no, <laughs> pass. For different reasons, yeah, maybe. But I could see them all, you know, agreeing to just to say no to that. Yeah. Uh, but back to Blessed and Gone, the track. I think it's an interesting mix. You know, I, 
I remember when I first heard it, I found it a little annoying with the the, the sounds and stuff, like the mm-hmm. radio sounds coming in and out. But I, this song definitely grew on me in the past uh, couple of years, maybe ten years or so, and. I still like the the stripped down version of it, but uh, this is great. I mean, I think it's a super fitting uh, end track to the Judas mm-hmm. O release and to be the last official, you know, release at the mm-hmm. time from the Pumpkins. I think it's just an appropriate song. Title wise, I mean, like Bliss, obviously they were they were you know yeah they were happy at one point. And now they're then then they were gone. Sort of yeah, sums I mean, it up, yeah. Sense. At the time, Bliss yeah. and gone, yeah, yeah. I mean, I love this. Song. Yeah, wow, it's it's uh, it's poignant stuff, you know. And I mean, obviously the band that came back and like the you know, but it was a long time. And this this whole covering the final show and this definitely has put me in the as close as I can get. Like I've tried to put myself in the shoes of the band who was going through all of this. Obviously, unless you've tasted what they've tasted, like you can't really know. But you can, you know. I don't know, with some perspective and distance and knowing that deep down he, he really didn't want the band to end, you know, but based on what happened after, like, it's, you can kind of go there a little bit and you can kind of feel a little bit of what he's feeling. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, let's kind of go around. Uh, Matt, we'll start with you and talk about our overall feelings of Judas So. Okay. I think it's really fitting. <laughs> really fitting end statement. It is very Pisces. Iscariot-esque. Mm-hmm. If, if Pisces, Iscariot is Gish and Siamese, um, uh, you know, kind of like vibes of the flip sides of those songs and, and almost like a different perspective of what was going on in those times then judas o is definitely a combination of machina adore and almost melancholy yeah so i think those are i mean it's very valid as far as that is concerned Mm -hmm. and i really like it absolutely absolutely pat yeah i think it's an awesome um i think it takes these to you know kind of like what i was saying before like i think it takes the kind of what can feel like a very kind of commercial like checking the box fulfilling the contract thing that a greatest hits collection can feel like it takes that and elevates it to something that is worth having in your collection even if you're like um a fan you know a deep fan and i get because you know it and it's 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 um like we were saying like it's kind of like no greatest hits collection could fully do this band justice so the fact that they took it and did almost like a uh outward and inward side like a flip side like a light side and shadow side of like what is great about the band or like a like a commercial and sort of um not commercial uh take on what's great about the band amounts to a pretty good summation of the band these two things i think one of them alone wouldn't doesn't work but these two collections together Together. make for a pretty solid like i did the reason i rebought this cd last year was because i remember i loaned it my 
my best friend um who i got you know was super obsessive with music about growing up his uncle was like you know older than us kind of a deadhead type but like really curious about music and i loaned this whole disc to him these two discs to him as sort of like a primer on the pumpkins but i never got it back unfortunately but um and going back over the track listing i feel like what i'm realizing now is there's not for almost every one of these songs there's not really another pumpkin song that sounds like it Mm -hmm. yeah there's not another Marquise and Spades. There's not another Believe. You know, I mean, stuff like that. I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I think that's why they did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, Pat, I think that's a great point, too, because it's like, well, that's what I love about this release is that they, I wouldn't have been happy with just the best of, because, like, I have these yeah. songs. I mean, granted, there were the two unreleased, but then the Judas O is just a treat for the real fans, mm-hmm. I think, to go with that, where yeah. anybody who's kind of a casual fan of the band will go to Target or go to iTunes and they'll buy the Rotten Apples thing. But the Judas So is a treat uh, for those of us who were familiar with these B-sides or are craving, you know, these unreleased tracks. And I really, really appreciate the fact that they did this, that they had Judas O with it. And I think it, while I, I, I tend to like the other B-side releases a little bit better. Um, and also, <laughs> Matt and I talked about this because I think we had a similar experience I don't know if it's because of the way I ripped it years and years ago from my CD. I left off the Aeroplane Flies High B-side, so I've only known a version without those Aeroplane Flies High B-sides. So it just is all the the door outtakes up to Machina stuff that I I recognize. So then when I was putting the tracks together to to research for this episode, I had to put those back Mm. in and be like oh and now i have to kind of re-listen to this in a in a different yeah, way th- and those are obviously we've heard them before and talked about them before but really solid picks and it also just because of that and like prov- assuming that billy had a hand in which i imagine he did in selecting these tracks it it um it's it also just shows like what the pumpkins think is good about themselves you know what i mean like what like it shows like obviously what the public has already decided is kind of their best stuff or some version of that and then this is like this is where where you might also want to check us out like this is also what we do Uh, something I forgot to mention, uh, and I can't believe, uh, when we talked about Because You Are, we didn't mention that Matt Cameron from Soundgarden and Pearl Jam, uh, when he had played and recorded with the Pumpkins during the Adore era, played on that song. I didn't know that. Uh, Matt Cameron, one of my other favorite yeah. drummers ever. Um, bon Harris was also, his, his credit on here is additional squeaks and plonks on Saturnine. <laughs> uh, and then we have Matt Walker on drums on My mm-hmm. Mistake. Oh, yeah. The whole family, yeah. yeah. Wow. Soundgarden, yeah. I remember seeing Billy when Billy was on Howard Stern. Um, I, I guess talking about Chris Cornell at some point after he died, and he said, like, Billy said, like, I was like a a Soundgarden, not groupie, but like I would just go and hang out, like, in this when they were recording, because like I loved them, so you know, I just loved watching them work so much. So that you know, there's like a, a strong connection there. which is interesting because you you read that spin magazine interview right or article 
Well, I know they had a falling out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I refresh my memory about what happened exactly because I know like Chris Cornell was the one who went to uh, Cameron Crowe to suggest the pumpkins for the single soundtrack. Right. And you know they, you know there was good blood there before too, even with like the Seattle scene with uh, you know playing with Pearl Jam mm-hmm. and uh, you know that whole Red Hot Chili Peppers tour and stuff. So there there was there was good blood there but I, yeah what what exactly happened i i kind of lost track of like what had happened in that mid to late 90s that they ended up having it falling out but then i know later on they they made up you know um well i remember the spin article is like billy it's kind of ridiculous i don't even know if it's true i mean it kind of sounds like billy but it also sounds conflated a bit i'm sure but it's like him in a bar um and Soundgarden's being inter- interviewed for Spin, and and um, they're on the Big Day Out tour in Australia. And he comes in, and basically is like, "I'm upset that they put me in the back of magazines because it means I'm not the cute one, or something like that." It almost sounds like he's winding up the the journalist <laughs> to me because it's ridiculous. And then, yeah, uh, Kim Thiel snaps at him like, "You're great." you're a great band you have a great band you don't need all this stuff because he asked him like oh what sign are you and he's like i'm a virgo and he's like oh you're argumentative <laughs> i was like i've been arguing with you forever so you don't need to tell me what sign it is you know, right, i mean whatever right. and then the next day he comes by the breeder's dressing room and kim thiles in there and he's like you hurt me deep in my heart right and then the article says and then the pumpkins went on to play the best show that anyone had ever heard from them yet right, or right. something like that yeah but it's like it's all so wound up and ridiculous I, I don't believe I don't know yeah if it did happen it's Billy winding a journalist up I think but or maybe it was really like that in that time I don't know but yeah. it's pretty ridiculous yeah when what was that era 94 oh okay 94 I yeah think. So. Yeah, because then the whole infamous like pink pop stuff and you yeah, know, how the band was starting to get really, really aggressive live and just trying to, as he said, abuse the audience. Right. <laughs> well, Matt, uh, we really appreciate. Oh, sorry, uh, Pat. Any other final thoughts? Um, no, and we won't abuse our audience any further. No, <laughs> <laughs> we put them through a lot. <laughs> um, no, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I said, I, I, I uh, yeah. I said all I need to say. But this is this is uh, well worth um, diving into. And Matt, thank you so much for doing it with Absolutely, us. Absolutely, anytime. Yeah, this is like a big. This is we couldn't we couldn't um, we couldn't gloss past this no. as we were finishing out the no. sort of like original era of the pumpkins. This was too important to 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 miss. So thank you so much for diving yeah. into it with us. Absolutely. And uh, where can people look you up, Matt, you and your band, if they want to? We had a fucked up magazine cover if you saw that come out. Um, <laughs> what was fucked up? Uh, <laughs> Tell us about it. Oh, just they were supposed to put the band on the magazine cover and then um, they didn't. They did a reprint, luckily, I think. But it was like, and it was like terrible quality and stuff like that. So, anyway, but the band is out there. Um, you can check us out on Instagram facebook and stuff like that we got youtube videos we're on spotify all that jazz and what do they look you up as uh the color flies just uh just uh spelled like a british <laughs> oh you the british spelling yep that's the right color flies so look them up on socials and spotify and you have a new album and tour coming up we have a single uh, that came out um 
Snails, aptly named, mm-hmm. and um, Love Me Yesterday is a B-side on there in the song called AC Commercial. Um, I'm going to be going on a tour with Lust for Glory, uh, playing drums, going to California, that whole thing um, that's coming up in November, so nice. it'll be fun. I'll be on stage as well, uh, playing guitar as well. But. <laughs> oh, yeah. Great. And if people want to follow you personally on uh, the socials, where can they find you? Oh, just Matthew Lagarde. Um, you can just look it up. L-E-G-A-R-D. Cool. We'll put a link in the description as well. I was really happy to do this. Thanks, guys. Yeah, of course. Thanks for uh, coming on and talking pumpkins with Anytime. us. Anytime. Amazing. Yeah. Pat, you want to wrap it up? Yeah, we have uh, much, much more. Oh, my God. We have a ton more stuff coming up. Um, this is season. Yeah, Zwan season is going to be upon us pretty soon. Um, but <laughs> we got some tasty merch that's going to be rearing its head pretty soon. Um, so please stay tuned. For that, um, you could follow us on the socials. You could follow us on Insta at Smashing Pumpcast. You could follow us on Twitter at Pumpkins Podcast. And that's spelled, podcast is spelled normally there with a C. Um, and you could email us at thesmashingpumpcast at gmail.com. We're always looking to swap stories and uh just be in touch with the listeners so thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for much much more in the near future and until next time as always we bid you a fond farewell and And good good night. night